Hello, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about Avatar, The Rise of Kyoshi. My name is Nobody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal in the Flying Opera Company. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? I really have to question my status as the most wanted criminal in the Flying Opera Company after these chapters. <laughs> <laughs> um... I mean, much to my shame, I have not actually beat up a cop yet at all, so... <laughs> I mean, there's still time. Yeah, I guess. Like, I mean, I guess it really depends on how it's t on like whatever I do that between now and when this episode goes live, huh? Ha. <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah, know, I think I think all these people got me beat though. <laughs> Listen, unless, unless I'm wanted just because I'm like a dimension hopper, I guess, in order to actually be in that setting. <laughs> well, maybe that, but as we'll cover, these people aren't real criminals anyway, so. I would say that a few of them are. <laughs> At least one in particular is. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty. Um, I'm pretty sure the kid does kill two cops. <laughs> yeah, and. Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, I guess that's not a crime. I guess we're not. I guess if we're. I, I guess it depends on who you murder. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I believe. The repeated position of this podcast is that it's not a crime to undertake revolutionary action against oppressive forces. Tr so. True. <laughs> so I suppose there's that. Uh, I look forward to the day when I'm put on trial for something and they play this audio in order to incriminate me. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as you are doing whatever it is you did to resist the... Uh, I guess, American government. <laughs> <laughs> Every word we say just makes me have more jail time. <laughs> Please. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, obviously, I am the one who's getting more jail time. I'm the one who's on here telling people to do crimes every week. <laughs> you are the one who also kn you are the one who knows how to circumvent the uh you know the pharmaceutical uh system in order to actually still get HRT. Yeah, well. Yeah. I feel I like that's that. a thing everybody should know. Uh, I, it's I just that I am happy to share if people want, but I'm not going to say it on the show on the off chance the bad guys are listening. <laughs> yeah, it's just something I don't know, and also it's like I'd imagine it's also probably not something that you can actually make as in like as the injectable option it's probably just like yeah it's pretty much pills only yeah i was, I was about to be like i guess it would be pills i guess it's just some combination of them huh yeah like not for nothing but i'm taking 17 pills a day right now it's kind oh, of a lot boy that's that's so many <laughs> i mean yeah, like not uh -huh. not all that is for hrt right uh well when i uh so I, I only take my brain pills every other day because mm -hmm. I'm trying to stretch out my supply and I don't have a homebrew version of that. So on those oh, days I take yeah. 18. So it is still 17 a day just for HRT? That's where I'm sitting, yeah. Jesus Christ, that's so many. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, yeah, I go back being like, oh yeah, I stopped uh, taking pills to switch to injections because it was annoying to have to take like essentially like four pills a day between like two Spiro and two Estradiol every day because these days I only take the one Spiro in the evening because like that's basically I'm pretty sure that's 
No, I think that's 100 megabytes. Uh, 100 megabytes is Spiro. <laughs> no, 100, 100 milligrams is Spiro, but... Uh, is this that HRT that makes you a robot that I've heard about? Yeah, it's the one that lets you uh, have 10,000 kilobytes of data in your breasts. <laughs> or whatever the meme is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's... it's because like I, I I used to be on like 200 uh, milligrams of Spiro a day, but now I just take 100 because like you know basically just with like injections being like way more potent than pills, it just helps basically counterbalance that. Because like I mean a lot of people do myotherapy with just when injection once a week and don't even take Spiro anymore. Yeah. But I do that still mostly just to help me out and also because it still helps keep my face cleared of junk. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, I never stopped Spiro on account of I've been on pills the whole time, except for that one time where I tried patches and it was a disaster, so... Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like, I, there was a brief point there before I, like, resolved myself to having to learn, inject, like, how to self-inject, and I was, like, considering patches, but it's, like, that just seems like that would be such a pain, just, like, being, like, so conscious of there being a, a patch on you every day, basically, like, around the clock, and, like, you're getting wet, obviously, and messing things up. Well, you know, that part's not that big of a deal. Like, that's fine. Hmm. It can handle a little... Like, you can shower with it on. It's, and you get used to it pretty quick. But it's also, for me at least, does not work. Like, at all. So. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's also that. I've heard some people say that patches can be hit or miss. I came back after three months of being on the patches, and my doctor told me, how did you do this? Your T is higher than a cis man's should be. Oh boy, that's definitely not what you want to hear. <laughs> nope, definitely not at all. Uh, no. <laughs> like at that, at that, I'm just imagining you just like setting fire and shredding like all the patches you have that you just you have your entire stock of them still on hand somehow for some reason, and you just burn them all in the office. <laughs> I do still have a box. <laughs> just in case of like emergency or something. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know what I want to do with them. I just, like, I'm not using them, but they're yeah. medicine, so I shouldn't throw them away, question mark? Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of like one of those cases where it's, like, when I... I guess I'm going to admit to this, I guess, like, crime, I suppose, in a sense, because, like, when, uh, when I did resolve to switch to the injections, like, I still had some pills left over, so I gave them to a friend who... I was, like, basically at that point, I think they were only... Trying to think of their time frame there. I think they were just started or were about to start HRT, so I gave them to them just to help them. Like basically, this way they would have like a like like a little supply to like draw on if they needed to. And it actually has come up at times where they're like, "Oh yeah, I've actually used a few of those, and I like couldn't get a refill in time with the other ones, so it actually was helpful." So it's like I don't. That's, I guess that's technically a crime, but also it's like, well, you know what this is, I'm explaining it to you in terms of, like, this is what you would be on by this point anyway, kind of deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's not like, it, it's not like I was giving them hard drugs. I, 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 don't, well, I don't think it's listen, a hard drug, I, I don't know. Clear. <laughs> As of this recording, it is not illegal to give someone your HRT pills. That is not a controlled substance. It's not trafficking. You can just do that. I guess I just, I guess I just think of it along the lines of like it's still a prescription that you need to have a prescription for to get, kind of deal. Eh, I mean, it's not like it's not like you can get it over the counter. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't get actual 
It's dry the old tills over the counter. You can figure out your homebrew way and all. But like, <laughs> I'm talking about like you can't just go up to the like the fucking Walmart and just grab a bottle of estradiol, which you should be able to. Also, I know I'm saying it wrong. I know it's always estradiol. I just always say estradiol, just like how like I know spirolactone or whatever. I just always say like spirolactone. Yeah, spironolactone. Yeah, but also everybody just calls it fucking. Everybody calls it spiro. <laughs> Like yeah, I, well, I say, because sp- everyone loves Spiro Agnew so much. Uh, I, I, not the Pokemon. <laughs> no, that's, that's that's Nixon's vice president. Oh no! Oh <laughs> uh, boy. No, I've yeah. al- I've always seen people make jokes about the Pokemon name because you know Spiro and Spiro <laughs> they'll close to each other. Just a few letters off. Uh, no, did not realize that Nixon had a vi- had a VP whose name was also Spiro. <laughs> yep fun but yeah no yeah everybody knows what spiro is when you say it like my endo is known all the time when i just say spiro and she's like oh okay that and i'm just like yeah i don't know how to pronounce it or spell it so i just say the shorthand that every trans person does yeah like i will say since getting back on homebrew i had i discovered the hard way that like one of the pills i take I cannot get in the States. It's just not an option. So I have this place. Uh, I'm not going to name drop it, but uh, I have this um, black market website where I can order it from <laughs> Thailand and get it illegally imported. <laughs> the thing is, is that since I last used it, because that was years ago, of course, because I've been on the real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they converted, and they only accept payment in crypto now, so oh, I had to no. buy Bitcoin so oh, I could... <laughs> this is the worst yeah. timeline. <laughs> yep, so I have gone ahead and updated my treatment plan. Will not be using that one anymore. <laughs> uh, I don't know how I found this site in the first place, and I am not going to count on getting lucky enough to find it. Yeah, this, this isn't like when uh, you know my endo told me about like syringes and needles or whatever depot.com to get like just syringes and needles sent to you and all. Because like that's one I used for a while, but then like ever since I started having like package delivery issues, aka getting shit stolen here, I've just been like, I just can't use you, so. Unfortunately, last yeah, time no, I was this like, "This is fully like a fake storefront, and you order a specific product, and then instead of that oh. product, you get the pills." Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. have no idea how I found out about it. I, it's just not yeah. in my memory. <laughs> that that definitely sounds like that's like me being like, I'm, "I I wonder if me giving those pills to my friend is illegal." I think the, I think yours is super illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it definitely, yeah. Uh, and there's an indelible record of it on the blockchain. Okay, so thanks, so, Bitcoin. So maybe, maybe, maybe I have started to get my way up the ladder in terms of who is the most wanted criminal in the flying operating company. Then, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm getting my, I'm getting my foot wet. It's and and you know, I'm starting to actually get my foot in the door a little. <laughs> they have, to, they have to, they have to start me out with like some easy, simple jobs in order to actually like for sure get get me accustomed to the life of a crime. Crime's got to start somewhere. Yeah, even if it's just uh, giving your spare HRT to a friend in need, (laughs) (laughs) or in your case, ordering it from Thailand (laughs) using Bitcoin. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) Uh, I shan't be doing that again. Believe me, it was entirely too much of a hassle. Yeah. 
Because, like, I mean, like, God, like, weird timing that it's, like, I watched, like, the, uh, the, like, interview slash podcast episode of Adam Conover interviewing, like, a, like, financial journalist who, like, really, like, helped blow the lid off of just how bad Bitcoin was a scam or whatever. And, like, hearing him do his whole story where it was, like, him being like, yeah, I had to, like, restart my computer twice to get the fucking, like, weird Fox logo to show up on my computer and that's where the bitcoin or like the crypto lives in or whatever it's just like just sounding like hearing everything he was talking about it's like that sounds like a fucking nightmare and i'm still surprised at the amount of people that fell for that shit well i don't know how to talk about this exactly because on the whole crypto is incredibly a scam Hmm. but i absolutely understand the appeal and the use of a non-regulated currency that is like outside of governmental jurisdiction you know yeah like that part i can understand it's just that like when you actually like get into it where it's like it's just a bunch of fucking scam artists like pyramid scheme jackasses all basically being like this is worth like another like luna buck or whatever and it's like well, what's the value of that it's like eh, don't worry about it <laughs> it's like oh yeah, cool like, so it's like yeah as like here i hate it this particular transaction is probably the platonic ideal of bitcoin right because i got my coins and use them to do crime and now i'm free <laughs> yeah i guess yeah you don't still have like you, you didn't put like thousands or like tens of thousands of dollars into this no stupid no no thing i just got what i needed lost. yeah like you're not you're not uh fucking calling for uh oh what that guy is the guy that like actually started his like trial and could not answer any questions from the judge today that one crypto bro <laughs> Uh, uh, SPF? Yeah, like, you're, you're not, like, calling for that man's head on a spike <laughs> because he fucked I you I mean, over. I kind of am, but mostly I mean, like, because... Yeah, like, to be fair, most people are, but it's not because he, like, personally robs you, basically. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just no, a I'm fucker. No, I'm not that much of a good... <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, no, I mean, even with my little... I needed, I think it was point zero 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 one seven Bitcoin to make mm-hmm. this transaction... And to get that, I bought it on Coinbase because Coinbase is like reputable as far as Bitcoin goes. Which <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like there's like some heavy usage of like air quotes there when you're saying reputable. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is that if you buy it on Coinbase, you cannot use it to buy other stuff. It stays on Coinbase. It's like stocks. Oh boy. So from there, I had to transfer it to a wallet, (laughs) which meant I had to set up a wallet, which means, because I don't know if you know this, because a lot of crypto requires you to put in your social security number, because it is slightly regulated now, so it gets reported on your taxes. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. Nightmare. Utter nightmare. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, and I yeah. also had to wait 12 days before I could transfer it off of Coinbase into the wallet because they wanted oh, to make sure yeah. it wasn't like a day trading scam thing. I'm sure that uh, waiting those 12 days not knowing what happened to your money potentially was a really not at all stressful period of time, huh? <laughs> well, that was like, so I bought the point zero 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 seven one seven Bitcoins and then they just had to sit there for 12 days. It wasn't mm-hmm. that I sent them to the wallet and they showed up later. It was that I couldn't send them anywhere because it's like, I guess, their way of preventing you from scamming the system somehow by shipping your coins somewhere else. I don't really... Mm. Yep. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of a waiting period to buy a gun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, just making sure you're not like just dumping like a bunch of stolen money into Bitcoin and then running off of it, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I never mentioned how I actually had a person like get away with that a little bit at the the freaking repair like the car repair shop. How was that? <laughs> that I worked don't think so. Year. No. Yeah, like at some point, um, this would have been like I think like maybe a month or two after I started there, where this guy just comes in being like, "Oh, I wanna I wanna get like seven hundred dollars worth of gift cards because I'm gonna give it to my daughter so she can get car stuff done." And like myself again, not not thinking about this, and also kind of not caring because fucking pet boys who gives a shit, and mm-hmm. uh, and also like the other guy who was with me who had like started like some weeks after me, just being like, eh, that sounds that sounds normal, <laughs> I guess. We did we like did that transaction, didn't think anything else about it, and like two days later, a cop walks in, just being like, hey, was there a guy here like two days ago who? bought this much on uh, credit, like gift cards and we're like oh yeah yeah well do you have like a record of that because it was a stolen credit card and we're like oh hmm <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. well then I don't remember if we actually had a record of that because to be fair this was already five years ago <laughs> yeah that's... a lot of shit has happened in the last five years let's say <laughs> at Target we had rules we weren't allowed to sell more than $200 worth of gift cards at a time mm-hmm yeah like yeah i think it's just because like i just didn't think of it just in terms of like you know it's car shit is expensive and it's like okay maybe he's like gonna mail it to his kid because she's having car trouble out of state or whatever i don't know (laughs) i i i try not to make assumptions sometimes that kind of blew up in my face when it's like a kid telling me like oh yeah my parents told me to get new tires and it's like getting the parents annoyed being like why'd you give them decent tires we wanted just shit tires <laughs> and it's like well your kid didn't tell us that or basically being like your kid told us to put on the shit tires and said that you were paying for it they didn't tell you that they wanted decent tires and the parents are like why'd you put shit tires in there it's like have this conversation with your kid please not me <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to say i'm just yeah. the middle envy here but i kind of am <laughs> it's like maybe you should communicate more with your child about what kind of tires to get or not to get <laughs> when i worked at target we had a this was a guy who was just kind of in that area that that mm-hmm. that sort of not my store but the whole shopping center because it was a big commerce district yeah and we had a guy who was a legit money changer and i just he's my hero i I wish (laughs) i could meet him again so bad (sighs) it's um if you're not familiar this is a type of scam that's prominent from like the 1950s wherein they like they, they start by handing you a big bill of like a ridiculously big bill for the purchase it'll be mm-hmm. like they'll they'll hand you a hundred to buy a soda yeah and then you start making change and then he'll ask you to give the bill back and then he'll start writing a check and then that won't work and it just relies on going back and forth so fast you don't keep up and eventually you just give him a bunch of money out of the register uh, and mm-hmm. <sighs> i miss that i miss that kind of craft in scamming <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially compared to these days where it's always just like so fucking obvious yeah exactly yeah it's like oh yeah you have to practice that you have to be a champion (laughs) yeah it's like oh you're not even trying here it's like uh yeah you put a fucking fake ass post on indeed in terms of like here's the job offer there's no interview needed like "Uh uh-huh sure they can fuck you get out of here Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i still actually weirdly enough got a text from like one of those that was like claiming that it applied recently and was like thanks for setting up your account i'm like 
Yeah, uh huh. This sounds like something I absolutely did in the last uh, two months after getting offered the job. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just still do that where it's like, I don't even remember the name of the company. It was some like stupid, like fucked up, like bullshit, you're clearly fake stuff, like Syntech or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm definitely doing that during a time when I spent four months not having a job and I'm definitely now already looking for a new one. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh. I don't know. It's it's just stupid and dumb. And uh it's like you saying that you were limited to like not paying like not selling like over two hundred dollars of gift cards at Target of all places sounds weird to me just because it's like it's Target and like if you're just being lazy and buying gift cards for people new to holidays, you're gonna be probably spending more than that on gift cards. <laughs> mm. Not in my experience, but yeah, that's, I, that's yeah, them I, is the rules. I think it's at least just, they were. I think in just in like terms of like if you have like a slightly like larger family, because like the few times that we were like getting together with like cousins or whatever for Christmas, it's like well at that point there's like basically like six teenagers, and so in those cases it's like well the the presents that the cousin that the aunts and uncles are getting for everybody is basically just a gift card. <laughs> Because it's like, we see you, like, maybe once a year, twice maybe at most. We don't actually really know shit about you, so here you go. I know you like video games, buy. here's a Best Buy gift card. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, I guess that's useful. <laughs> well, then, aunt and uncle are going to have to split up and check out separately. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they will. <sighs> but, yeah, no, I mean, that Target, and I'm not trying to brag here because I don't, it's weird. I, 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 I'm not proud of that workplace, and yet I have the facts in my head as if I were, because that's mm -hmm. how it is to work at a place for six years. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, like when you work at any place for a given amount of time, it's always like something's going to linger, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like, I, I don't know how it's doing these days, but when I worked there, that target was like number four or five in the whole country for sales. Because mm -hmm. we have, like, uh, a lot of the time, uh, folks from Mexico will come up and just buy a ton of stuff and then take it back down because it's cheaper or uh, the taxes or something. Yeah. I'm not really clear on how that works. Mm -hmm. But because we are San Antonio, we are a significantly majority Hispanic city, so that target just got hit so much that, like... <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's. Hmm. Did I did I lose you for a sec? I don't think so. Okay, I was just testing. I, I think it's because like there was like just a little bit long enough of a silence. I wasn't sure. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. Unfortunately, again, like like I said, like you just you work at a place for long enough, and it's like stuff about it just sticks in your head. Where it's like me just being like. Yeah, there's still, like, fucking bullshit things I remember about that that same crappy Pet Boys, even though, again, that was already four years ago since I left it, because I worked there 2018 to 2019 and all. And it's, like, <laughs> just thinking in terms of, like, oh, yeah, the fucking stupid-ass advertising that Pet Boys does around their air quotes free engine uh, 
uh, inspection or whatever when it's like, nope, the free engine inspection is I walk out there for a little code reader, plug it into the thing, and it's like, yep, there's a there's an error code given here. And it's always like, well, what's that mean? <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea. I'm not a mechanic. And it's like, well, how do we figure out what that is? You pay the actual uh, fee for the thing, which is $90. There's, there's just... A... You don't even look it up in the book forum? No, I'm not legally like at the when I was there, I was not legally allowed to do that because I was not the a mechanic. It comes with a little book that tells you what the code means. You can just buy them. They're like eight dollars. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Being fair, I didn't have the book. <laughs> it wasn't my code reader. It was the it was the it was the story's code reader. But also, it's like yeah, you could easily Google that and try to figure out what your what shit's going on. But it's always I think like I have two of those code readers because I got a second one on accident. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's always just one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like I still remember things where it's like, well, if you like describe what's going on with your car, I I think I could still even be like, eh, it's probably this or whatever, just based on what I remember, just in terms of like knowing that. But it's like, it's just stupid things where it's like, I still remember like, oh, okay, if you told me that your car had XYZ re- problem in North Carolina in particular, I could tell you, oh yeah, that would fail inspection just still, <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> I got used to that so much. And also, again, I was not legally allowed to tell people ahead of time, your car's gonna fail inspection because I wasn't a mechanic. So it's just always being like, you know, as soon as I would go out there to get the car's information and, like, turn it on and everything, just be like, yep, it has a check engine light, this is immediately gonna fail. <laughs> and <laughs> just stuff like that. Or like, oh, it's got a blinker out, it'll fail unless you replace the bulb, and the bulb is super fucking pricey because we overcharge for shit even though it takes two minutes to put it in. I mean, it, always. Yeah, but it's, it's just still a case of, like, I can't say that. I'm I'm not a, I'm not a li- licensed mechanic. I can't legally tell you it's gonna fail, even when I know it's gonna fail. Like I could save you time, but I'd also be breaking the law. <laughs> and this job is not worth me breaking the law. <laughs> That's dumb. Yep. <sighs> uh, hey, I mean, I was getting paid eleven dollars an hour plus commission, which most people don't want to actually pay to have any shit done to their car to actually make it drivable. So therefore, the commission was basically non-existent. <laughs> The only time I actually got a decent amount from that was around Christmas, just because people were actually desperate enough to fix their shit going out their car because they had to go drive to places for Christmas. <laughs> but no other point of the year. <laughs> I don't think I could actually go back and work at Target again, because... So my job was what's called hard lines. Basically, that's the, the home goods, the anything that isn't close. Mm-hmm. And my specialty... The, the, the reason that I was useful as an employee was because I memorized the entire store. I knew where every single item we carried was. So that made me really useful for what's called reshop at the end of the day, which is stuff that people yeah, just yeah. decide they don't want or throw aside. Yeah, they go put it back. I knew yeah. where everything in the entire store goes, mm-hmm. so I could just put it all back within like 45 minutes. So that was what made me a super valuable employee. Mm-hmm. And it got me out of basically having to do the actual job because I was able to just put everything back and not do the real job because everyone wanted me to do it because I was so good at it. Mm -hmm. But because of the way stores work, that's absolutely not true anymore because they've rearranged them every six months, so I don't know where anything is anymore. (laughs) So, I mean, I guess I could go back and work at a Target again, but I wouldn't be a specialized, super useful employee anymore. (laughs) to be fair, like, this, what's Target usually pay? Is it like $14 an hour, I think? Uh, depends on where you are. Here in San mm. Antonio, I think they start at 12 Oh, okay, because, actually, I'm curious. I want to see what 
target here does. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, oh, apparently here it's like 1750, but I, I think that's oh. also, I think it's also because like Connecticut is a little bit like kind of better in terms of minimum wage in a sense. Like well, these, like, it's definitely a more expensive state as well. Yeah, so. yeah, there, there is that, yeah. Like, because it's like, it definitely is more pricey here than it was in uh, North Carolina and all. Even if, in a sense, it's like, my rent here in this current apartment is only like $100 more than it was in my previous apartment in my third and last year there. But also that was like a full, like, one-bedroom apartment with laundry and washer and stuff like that in the unit. Yeah. <laughs> compared to this being a studio apartment. <laughs> Well, I just think about like that that job that I was looking at it in Durango, Colorado. If I had gotten that mm -hmm. job, I would have been paid sixty k a year, and it would have been difficult for me to afford an apartment. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. places are just expensive like that. Yep, sure are. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I mean, I've even been like entertaining, like being like, do I want to try to find a different place here, even if it's just for like the last six months that I'm in this state before I go off to the masters and all. And it's like I I looked a little bit. I could not find any that is like has like six month rent as an option and was like under a thousand dollars. And it's like, oh boy, not even like in the areas around Hartford. <laughs> and it's like, well, I guess I'm kind of just stuck here. Cause like part of what brought that on was just having a bunch of fucking continuous issues with the fucking laundry facility here. Cause it's like, turns out when you only have four washers and four dryers for like fifty units. And you don't bother to actually maintain them. Turns out you can't actually get your laundry done because then you're down to only two machines that are working. So <laughs> at this point, I'm like, fuck it, I just have to go to the laundromat, I guess, from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, guess, guess I'm back to my every other week routine that I used to do in my old studio apartment <laughs> of trying to do that with laundry just because it's too expensive to go every week. Yeah, I guess so. Yep. Yeah, I'll figure it out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> at, le at least those machines actually wash them and don't potentially, like, uh, ruin some of my clothes by staining them like it did the last time I actually used one of the machines here. And it also dries in, like, half hour compared to me having to basically pay extra to do 80 minutes total on the dry cycle at the ones here to get it actually dry. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's like, I guess it's technically less time investment, even if it is still annoying to have to drive out to one. Mm. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, nah. <laughs> Dumb. Yeah. Department sucks. <laughs> yep. It, 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 be like it served the purposes it needed at the time when I didn't have a place to live, but it just had so many fucking problems. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess speaking, speaking of, people, of things yeah, that are bad, would you like to start? I, 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 see, my transition attempt there was going to be speaking of people that have lots of problems, <laughs> not speaking of things uh, that are well, not speaking of things that are bad because I like these well, chapters. I say things that are bad because we open on the police. So <laughs> I guess, but they also beat the shit out of them, <laughs> <laughs> which is good. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we we should get to it though. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my chapter this week is called Escape. Uh, at the end of last week's chapters, um, the Flying Opera Company had more or less come to a deal with Kyoshi and Rangi, and then the uh, police showed up. 
And before we even get into it, I want to talk a little bit about this, because it keeps saying police, but that's not what they are. Yeah. They're not like a modern police force. This is the governor's brute squad. This is just the guys he hired to beat people up. <laughs> yeah, I think in this in particular, the way that they actually do use the word police at times in this chapter just does kind of feel a little bit strange. Because, like, that's not something we really get in the original show. I'm trying to remember if... Yeah, the... I mean, it's just fully not a thing in yeah. the Avatar continuity. There isn't an organized police force. These are just basically soldiers working for the governor yeah like the, the one exception is the metal bending police in Korra, but it's also like they're you know the police are just a major city that is like the kind of the new hub of the world but it's like there's no police in like the time of ang's series and so they're being a, like an organized group that can be called the police in like 40 years prior is just strange yeah <laughs> Yes. Um so the uh the cops show up at the tea house. Um Lex's immediate reaction is that uh Lauge is never getting guard duty again, which apparently was his entire gambit with letting the police show up. <laughs> um and then twenty cops enter the building <laughs> because cops have always been the same no matter what time mm -hmm. period or fantasy yep. world you're in. They overreact to everything and bring way too many people than necessary. Yep. Um, yeah, but, uh, actually the, uh, the leaders of this group are the same three guys who were in the tea house earlier and left when Kyoshi started causing a scene. So apparently these guys were cops and then Kyoshi just said all the crime stuff out loud directly <laughs> in front of them. And so they went to get back up. <laughs> yeah, I really do Good like- Good job criming, Kyoshi. I, re I really do like that Karima does like chew out like about this because apparently he's good at spotting people who are undercover and he just had no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says he's good at it. Um, yeah, Lick says a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Kyoshi at first thinks that these guys are here because Jonju sent them. But she realizes that, that can't be true because, like, the news cannot fa travel faster than a flying bison. So, what they're really here for is the idiot girl who <laughs> walked into an outlaw's hideout and started yelling, "Do crimes!" at the top of her lungs. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do crimes for me. Teach me crimes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Give me access to crime. <laughs> So the police sort of point weapons at them. They're they're referred to as truncheons and swords. So that's, you know, these are big, lethal weapons. But uh, more than that, they are here for Governor Deng, who uh, is, is apparently a friend of John Zhu's. He shows up at his house all the time and also, quote, one of his closest allies. So these are basically the worst, quote unquote, cops you could get caught by. Mm -hmm. Um so, yeah, he's he's demanding that they put down their weapons, but they are all confused because none of the Daofei are holding weapons until Kyoshi realizes <laughs> that she's still holding her fan, which is like, oh, I guess he thinks this is a weapon, which it is, but she doesn't know how to use it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, I mean, like, if I'm holding a gun, even though I have never fired a gun or really know how to use them besides, obviously, point and also don't have your like a loaded gun on you if you're not intending to actually use it or anything like that but it's like it would still be constituted as a weapon <laughs> well i don't think that's like that's not quite fair though because a gun is easy 
you you turn off the safety, you pull the trigger. I mean, and, uh, fan, compared to the fans, yes, <laughs> but it's still a like, weapon. <laughs> he's he's basically pointing at someone with a yo-yo and going, "Drop your weapon!" And like, yes, in theory, a yo-yo could be a weapon, but you'd have to be ridiculously superhumanly good to make that work. I mean, yeah, you'd have to ever be Ness or Bridget. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Both of which kind. Well, Ness definitely superhuman because he has sounding abilities. I actually don't know if Bridget has stuff like that. I'm not. I'm not sure. About it's Guilty Gear, so definitely. I mean, uh, I don't. I know that like Guilty Gear lore has some fucked up things. I just don't know if Bridget has any powers like that. I thought she was just a bounty hunter who just got really good at it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not super familiar and... with Guilty Gear, but from what I remember, one of the things is just every person in Japan is psychic. So mm. definitely, she's got something I think, going on. I think on. she was raised in the UK. I want to say I think she was like raised in England or something like that. But I mean, to be fair, her teddy bear is like. A, a bomb, and I think B, possessed by a demon? So, I guess. Yeah, see? (laughs) (laughs) I I, want to make sure I'm right about that, about Roger. I remember his his name for some reason. Uh, Intelligent mechanized teddy bear that's possessed by a ghost. Okay, close enough. He still also explodes. (laughs) A robot and a ghost. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, anyway, so Kyoshi gets up stuff. so she can draw her second fan, because for whatever reason she decides, oh, I've been ordered by the cops to drop my weapon, I better pull out another weapon. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, is that he, the police guy didn't realize how tall she was, so when she stands up, he immediately takes this as a hostile act and orders his men to attack. So again, police are the same as they always were. Um Mm-hmm. And yeah, so there's 20 police guys, and then four Daofei, and then Kyoshi and Rangi, and they're all fighting inside this tea house, which is ridiculous. Um, also a good 25% of them just immediately go for Kyoshi. <laughs> yeah, they sure do, because she is gigantic and the obvious target. I mean, uh, yeah. Rangi, mm-hmm. I don't know how she does this exactly. They were, quote, knocked down by a blast of fire. That's not how fire works. Rangi set no. them on fire. I mean, it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things that's always just, like, a little bit of a funny thing about the show I can think of. Because there's, like, so many times where, like, a person gets, like, kind of hit with fire and they roll it back and, like, hurt or whatever. But they're not, like, burned or anything. So, I, I, yeah. don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe she's able to do, like, I don't know, more concussive blast fire where, it's like, it's still fire, but it's mostly just to be more as close to non-lethal as fire can be and just try to knock you away. Or she might just be burning cops. <laughs> I, I, and they're knocked down because they're literally on fire or dying. <laughs> I just don't understand why it's like, this book has not held back at all about gruesome imagery. Yeah, yeah, and there yet, is that. in this instance... Yeah, it's one of those things <laughs> where it's like, again, it constantly kind of just surprised me how violent this book is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the last chapter, what was it? Somebody drinking out of someone else's skull? Mm-hmm. And in this time, it's... Oh, the guys fell over because the fire was hot. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like it's a, it's such a weird thing where again it's like this is actual canon in this series. Like this was Nickelodeon signed off on this book, and it's like this book has had no qualms about being like, well, we're not a TV show for kids, so we can be fucking dark, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's still just surprising how many times they have that. And meanwhile, here it's like, yeah got knocked down by fire they're fine <laughs> don't worry about the fact yeah. that we've seen firebending literally scar a person for life in the show <laughs> only that one time though <laughs> i guess <laughs> poor zuko yeah 
But yes, um, Rangi is basically fully all in because that's just how she does things. If she's going to do something, she's all the way in. No half measures. Uh, taking this moment as an advantage, uh, Wong just fully picks up Laogay and throws him at the cops, um, which apparently was plans. Uh, Kyoshi didn't realize this until he got there, but Laogay's thing is that he's like... He's got one guy in a chokehold, and his legs are around the waist of the next guy. And we'll get a couple references to this later on. He's basically just grabbing everyone's swords with fingers and toes and clamping them shut so they can't draw them. He is the most obnoxious grappler in the yeah, world. Yeah, it's 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 um, like it reminds me of like uh you you saw Ducktales twenty seventeen right? Yeah. You remember the very first, like, episode, the two-parter, when Donald's trying to, like, hold back all the little water leaking by, like, stretching different parts of his body around or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Imagining that, but it's, like, this weird drunken master guy holding people's swords at bay. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, grappling eight people at a time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, however the fuck he's doing that. <laughs> this man is maybe just actually- he's actually just this universe's Spider-Man. Or just Dimension Spider-Man. This is- <laughs> this is his canon event. <laughs> But yes, um, Kyoshi at this point basically loses all conscious thought of what's going on in the battle. She just doesn't have the ability to track the motion. There's too much happening. So what she does is panic because men are coming at her with swords. And when she panics, uh, she gets fighty. So she grabs the Paisho board, which is just enormous and solid wood. And I mean... Go boards are huge, and I imagine it's more or less the same thing. And she's just using it as a bludgeon to bring these policemen down one by one, uh, to the degree that, like, she's bending their swords by hitting them with this wood game board, and... <sighs> it's it's just one of those things where it's like, again, like, firebending these guys? Totally fine. Here she hitting them with a board game? Enough to break their swords. <laughs> yeah, specifically swords crushed against their chests. <laughs> Um, so more cops try to run in through the door, but Kirima has laid down an ice sheet because she's frozen what was left of Laogay's wine. Um, there is a moment here where Kyoshi recognizes Kirima's bending style, and it looks a lot like Tagaka's, but, uh, they, they're busy. Um, Laogay kind of says, he gives her a coded message, a Kyoshi a coded message, and it's not the most coded, but I guess that's fair because they just met. Uh, and he essentially tells her to make the thing jump like she did before. So she does. Uh, the tea house jumps into the air, and the policemen all fall down, but the Daofei don't because they saw this happen once before, and, like, they knew to expect it. Um, Lek directs them out the back door, but Laoge is still grappling all those guys, and so they leave him behind, uh, assured <laughs> that he can handle himself. Um... Right before they leave, uh, Kyoshi throws the Paisho board at the next cop, <laughs> presumably removing his head, but we don't get to see that. Um, <laughs> and this back exit to the, the tea shop was, like, disguised, so the cops hadn't been here because you can't see it from the outside. So they just get out there, but uh, basically they have to get across town to where Pong Pong is. So... Um, you know, that's cool. Uh, Rangi is able to direct the, the Daofei towards the southwest corner of town and offers to lead them there. But then a bunch of tiles start falling off of the roofs because the cops are, like, dropping rock tiles on them. Okay, and, sorry, um, I, I need to loop back to something you kind of passed over here. 
which mm-hmm. is when they leave the back, the there's like two cops there holding position because they didn't really know that it was gonna be like you know uh, an exit that they would really try necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was like it's like saying the passage was a sky, so it's like oh okay, they didn't actually have many guys there. Kiyoshi hears a zip zip noise and the two cops crumple to the ground as Luck tucks something back into his pocket. So like when he said this, like some people call him bullet, like he's not lying there because he just does use earth bending to just shoot a gun basically at these guys. <laughs> I could be wrong, but for some reason I thought he had a sling. No, he's always like described as having like a little like pebble of sorts. Like, he put that on the hmm. Paisho board at first, like, last time when they were introduced and talking to Kiyoshi. He just has, like, a little rock on him at all times. And it's like, he's apparently just using this little rock as a fucking bullet and himself as the gun. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, these two guys definitely dead, because he's just firing this little bullet <laughs> at these dudes. <laughs> So, right. Yeah, I had um, I had to just point yeah. it out there because again, it's like definitely at least two cops dead. <laughs> uh, you know what it is? It's because he said bullet earlier, and there's no guns, so I just automatically yeah, yeah. connected it with slings. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he did, he definitely did call himself bullet, like yeah. <laughs> I guess you would call those bullets, yeah. I, I guess that's what sling ammunition is called. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, so they, they take off. He's not Dennis the Menacing, these guys. <laughs> if you know he's an Earthbender. Well, it's not a slingshot, no, it's a sling. That's a different thing. Oh, okay, but close, yeah, close up. But no, he's using it as like, an actual bullet with Earthbending to fly it into them and kill them. <laughs> I'm a little surprised you're not aware of this. It's a D&D weapon. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, like, look, there's there's certain D&D weapons that just are like, these are the things that are there for flavor, and nobody ever actually uses them. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate, they take off towards the southwest corner of town where Pong Pong is hiding, and as they run around beyond the edge of the building, uh, Kyoshi spots uh, Laoge fighting an entire platoon of cops by himself. Uh, (laughs) He's keeping them from being swarmed by backup. But basically, he's just rolling and folding and flipping around as if he is drunk. He's very much doing the drunken master thing. But while he's doing this, Kyoshi spots him like he's moving in ways that should not be physically possible because he's using the earth to manipulate the way his uh, balance is. So he's like shifting the earth underneath him to change his center of balance so he can just kind of drop as he needs to, instead of relying on muscle reaction to. He he doesn't have to dodge, the earth just drops below him, so he doesn't... (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. I just realized how unbalanced of a project they are. They have four earthbenders, and only one weatherbender, and one firebender, and no airbender. (laughs) They've got four tanks, and only two DPS. I guess only, like, yeah, I guess two DPS, because, like, Karima hasn't shown any, like, healing abilities, so she's not she's not the healer here. She's definitely DPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, what is Lek if not DPS? I guess, like, Lek is like, I'm a tank, but I'm going to decide not to tank. It's like, I wanted to play Nerfbender, who's, like, a DPS, and it's like, that's no, really not a thing, bud, but sure. <laughs> it's super a thing. It's just like he he's playing the base class and he chose the the specialty that does damage instead of having survival skills. 
Yeah, I suppose. Because, like, aggroing is part of tanking too, right? He just didn't take any defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're just gonna if you're just gonna aggro a bunch of cops on you, you just have to make sure you kill those cops before they do anything to you, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's tanking by not taking damage by choosing to do murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they start running between houses through the neighborhood. But the cops have also brought their own earthbenders, so they throw up a big wall, and then the the, the Daufei are trapped. But uh, then Lek just fully starts running in the air. It's unlike anything Kyoshi's ever seen. He He's basically just walking on air, which should not be possible for an earthbender, but it's only... If, like, once he is up above eye level, that Kyoshi realizes what's happening is he's instantly creating preposterously tiny columns of earth, so small that it's difficult to see with the bare eye, and they're shooting him up with every step, so he's, like, jumping forward, the column hits his foot, pushes him up, jumps forward, etc., etc. It's... I don't really understand no, physics of this. Not at all. But... <laughs> It would make more sense to me if he would just had like dirt in his shoes and was airbending that dirt or earthbending that dirt to <laughs> hover in the air for a second. You know what I mean? Like like basically being like, oh, the people I figured out how you can fly in Breath of the Wild just using Magnesis before flying was just straight up a thing in Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah. Like if if you had big blocks of rock in your shoes as an earthbender, couldn't you just lift them up and move your? <laughs> I guess, I guess you might be able to, but I feel like it's, like, I mean, you might be affected by, like, you having to basically keep, like, doing, like, the bending motions, in a sense, to keep it going. So that might interrupt with you standing still enough to actually go with the rocks, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> also, that would be very uncomfortable to have to walk with if you had just big rocks in your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Now, see, what you really have to do is you just basically have to make your boots out of rock. And you just, walk, and you just put your foot in them. Well, yeah, that would work. Yeah, you never have to tie them. You just always, like, make a new pair of boot every day by just uh, gathering up some earth around your foot. Yeah, I mean, as long as you've got, like, insulation on the inside so you're not just barefoot in there. <laughs> well, that's why you still, yeah. you still put on a sock beforehand. Yeah. Although I guess, um, maybe, I don't know if socks actually exist in the world of Avatar. <laughs> They do, because some people wear Tabi. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Yeah, so Kiyoshi talks a little bit about how, in the village where she grew up, she'd seen children play a game where they, like, bend the ground they're standing on into a pillar, and the game is, like, to get the pillar as tall as you can while you're standing on it without falling off. But it, it's... It was always a big deal, and it was super destructive, and it left these just jagged pillars all over the place. But um, for Lek, the way it works is that these, these pillars just shoot up, and they're so thin and so minuscule that they basically don't damage the ground at all, and then they crumble into dust the second after he leaves. Which, again, should not be enough motive force to push him into the air, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's martial arts magic. It can do whatever it wants. <laughs> yeah. Um... And then uh, the thing is, is that Karima does a very similar thing, but with water. So she's got like a, a pouch at her waist. She's basically got a water skin and she sort of creates, for lack of a better word, she's turning the water into platforms that she can step on and then moving those platforms up to step on the next one. It's 
described as being very much the same effects that Lek has, in that it looks like she's floating on nothing, but yeah, it's it's very strange. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's just casting Misty Step without turning herself physically into mist. <laughs> it's not Misty Step, it's fully just Airwalk. And she calls it, like, mid-stepping later on, that's why I'm making that joke. That is what the <laughs> technique is called, yes. Um, yeah, and then, of course, Wong does the same thing with Earthbending, which takes Kyokishi completely by surprise. She would not have imagined that someone so big could have done something like that, because, again minuscule, almost invisible pillars of dirt. And yet, there you go. But the thing is, is that uh, they all got up there, no problem. And Kyoshi definitely didn't. I'm not super sure where Rangi is at this point, but Kyoshi is now just trapped alone in this yeah, alleyway like, with walls on either side. It's it's weird, because like, Rangi's described later on as basically still being at the head of all of them, and I don't know how she got ahead <laughs> or up here because she doesn't actually know their little thing they try to copy <laughs> yeah ronke will pop up a couple of times during this action sequence but she's like way ahead of the rest of them so it kind of seems like she was charging with them down this alleyway and sh i guess maybe she managed to get out before the wall went up maybe yeah because it doesn't describe that happening but it would be the only reason she's not here now so yeah, that's the only thing that would make sense to me, because again, it's like, she hasn't actually, like, realized what they're doing to crib off of their little secret technique thing yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another cop shows up and puts up a wall behind her, too, so she's sort of stuck, but there is an alleyway, and uh, a couple of blasts of fire go up in the sky, and oh, okay. she realizes that Rangi is giving her directions on how to get out of there, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I looked it up real quick. Uh, the passage says this one, Rangi said, darting down a passage into the darkness, but before anyone had a chance to follow it, thick stone walls shot up from the ground. So yeah, she she ah. got separated by them, basically. There it is, okay. Yeah, yeah. so she gets ahead. Because <laughs> again, it's like, I, I missed that part when I was listening to the audiobook, and then like later on when it's like she's at the front of all of them, and it's like, how? Where, where, where? Rangi knows teleport, yeah, mm -hmm. I guess. <laughs> Same. But no, no, she actually just did get separated from them, so... Which is still funny that it's like, she just kind of keeps going, huh? Even though she's like, I'm sworn to protect Kyoshi, and it's like, the first chance you had, you fucking left Kyoshi. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay, because she's giving Kyoshi directions now. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay, um... So yes, uh, Kyoshi sees these blasts of fire and realizes that Rangi's telling her where to go, and so she does, she she follows these directions, but somehow Rangi seems to know this town very well, I don't really get that, but the cops know it better, so they're able to get ahead of Kyoshi and prevent her from doubling back and a dead end ahead, and um, she realizes that the only way to get out is to do the stepping thing that everybody else did, and like, it should be fine because she's the Avatar and she's super powerful, right? <laughs> And also, it should be super easy, like, comparatively easier the faster she goes, because then she's not putting her weight on the columns, right? So she does it, and she decides to jump, 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 and then, um, it super doesn't work. She slams face first into the wall. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, it's described as, like, basically she made, like, little pitiful bumps and then just face plans. <laughs> yep. <sighs> 
Yeah, yeah. She fully trips and lands face first into a wall. But the thing is, is that this is Kyoshi we're talking about. She is an indestructible monster woman. And so instead of just smashing into the walls, she fully incredible hulks her way through the wall. Uh, she runs straight through this house. And I do mean through. She's busting Kyoshi-sized holes in the walls going... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the, the the weird, like, fucking Looney Tunes descriptor of, like, a quick glance back show the Kiyoshi-sized hole in the wall, and surprise guards deciding whether they should leap through or go over the top. This is very funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. It's like, where did, this, then... where did this fucking come from? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. And then she's so distracted by looking back at the Kiyoshi-shaped hole she made in the wall that she hits another wall and just takes a full corner <laughs> off of a house. Um, <laughs> like, I'm really hoping she's doing different poses at a certain point just to make the holes different sizes. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Like, one is yeah. just her, like, she, like, does, like, the little, like, backwards jump through it or something like that just to flip the cops off so this way the hole also leaves the motion of, like, two middle fingers <laughs> in the outline. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but the thing is, is that she's gotten to a point where ahead of her, like, the, the spaces between the houses close up so that there's no room and there's merchant shops there instead of houses. And so because she's already in the mood for it, Kyoshi does the only thing she can do and fully just smashes through ten buildings in a row. Um, she does apologize to, to the universe before this, at least. Yeah, I guess, but she is essentially killdozering this town. Um... <laughs> It, like, it mentions that she's running through different stores and seeing glimpses of the merchandise they offer, and... <laughs> yeah, some, some clearly illegal. <laughs> Thanking the universe that there are no humans in her path. <laughs> uh, it's, it's... I'm still so curious how we get from this, like, dummy idiot Kiyoshi to, like, the, like, more, like, stoic, badass Kiyoshi that you see briefly in the show. <laughs> because <laughs> it's like again it's yeah. like just seeing her in that it's like oh okay she's like clearly like she was always this competent person who was like well trained from an early age no she's a fucking dumbass <laughs> she is a force of nature i'll give her that um <laughs> she's just a fucking yeah. elephant smashing through people's houses basically <laughs> um Partway through smashing through these market stalls, she starts to feel weird in her face, and she she wonders if she's, like, hurt herself by bashing through all these walls face first. But actually, no. What's happened is she's got a Joker grin on because she's having so much fun smashing through these houses. Like, her I mean, face is yeah. stuck in this horrible grin. And You, you kind of have to, like, especially, like, after, like, the first few when you realize you can just do this instinctively without getting hurt. It's like, you probably are going to be laughing like an idiot. Uh-huh. She was grinning with a locked, maddened expression, mindlessly exulting in her own power and destruction. <laughs> Uh, and then and then she immediately's like, I gotta be serious and like has to give herself uh-huh. a grim frown <laughs> as she yeah, jumps yeah, through yeah. another wall. <laughs> but the thing is is that um that she busts through this next wall and she almost falls over because there are no more walls to bust through and she's so prepped to go through the next <laughs> one that it's like, oh no, my balance. Um <laughs> But yeah, she's found herself in a broad street and the Daofei are up on the rooftops and they're like Boy, I mean, I know you can't do this thing, but that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Rangi is also on the roof now, and she's she's doing basically exactly the same thing they do, except the when she jumps, she's like shooting fire out of her feet, Iron Man style. 
So it's, it is that same sort of mist-stepping technique. It's not real flight, but yeah, it, it's also much more obvious because she's shooting fire out of her feet and not like subtly yeah. creating misty steps. <laughs> yeah, like we, we see that quite often in the show between multiple different people doing that, but it's not, yeah, like it's not like flight flight, really. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely able to walk on the air, but she doesn't have any kind of flight control. Yeah, it, it's really um, more like she's just boosting her jumps in, in a sense. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and this. Kiyoshi basically has a panic attack here as she just is overwhelmed by gayness because Rangi is like jumping from building to building and she's so unbelievably beautiful, silhouetted against the moon with fire shooting out of her legs. And it's she was strength and skill and determination wrapped around an unshakable heart. Kiyoshi had always admired Rangi, but right now it felt as if she were gazing at her friend through a pane of glass, freshly cleaned. Some mighty and loving spirit had reached down from the heavens and outlined the firebender in new strokes of color and vibrance. <laughs> Kiyoshi just like seeing Rangi do this and her just saying aloud, God, I'm so fucking gay. <laughs> Basically, yes. Um, but eventually Kiyoshi is able to like push down the gay panic attack. And, um, they they get out of the houses, Kyoshi basically just running through the streets while everyone else runs over the rooftops, and presumably Kyoshi smashing through anything in her way. Um, and eventually they reach the outskirts where, uh, this copse of trees is hiding, uh, Pong Pong. Um, Pong Pong is not happy to see these Daofei, and apparently, I was not aware of this, but Sky Bison apparently have their own airbending abilities beyond just flying. Yeah, you don't remember that? There's been, like, some times when, like, uh, Appa would, like, basically, like, swing his tail, like, downward to make a blast of air. Yeah, I don't remember this. He doesn't um, do it very often, to be fair. It's like, there's, like, a few times if it's, like, oh, they're surrounded or something like that, and he comes landing in or whatever to save the day, where he, like, lands and does, like, a kind of a spin with his tail to knock them all away. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I assume that was just part of flight, but... Uh, it's it's always it's always it's always a yeah it was always like accompanied by like the like visible like gust of air that Aang does in airbending. Okay. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so he he throws Lek backwards because of course this is a strange child that is running at me very quickly. Uh. <laughs> And uh, Yoshi sort of reassures Pong Pong that it's okay, they're with us, you can trust them. And the Delphi all climb on, and they, they're very familiar with this, like they've done it a thousand times. And once everybody's on board, Ronki takes Pong Pong up above the tree line, while Lek is just going nuts on the saddle about, it's a bison, it's a real bison, etc., etc., at this point, uh, Wong reveals that uh, it used to be that the Daofei had their own sky bison, uh, one named Longyan. And uh, this really catches Rangi off guard, because only air nomads can tame bison, and like if they're stolen, then they certainly won't listen to strangers. And uh, the thing is, though, is that Longyan was uh, Jessa's bison. Uh, this confuses Rangi big time. Um... I'm not super sure why, but there you go. Well, um, it's because she hasn't told her that her mom is an airbender. Yeah, but 
we'll get there. Um, so on the ground, Laoge is there. He's managed to escape the guards, so they, they do have a moment to pull him back up before they have more of a conversation. And, um, yeah, Rongi is just hyper-focused on this, uh, finding out that Jessa was an airbender and that Kyoshi is half-air nomad. This... I don't really understand why this is a big deal, but it's Kyoshi is just overwhelmingly guilty again because she hid this from Rangi, I guess, and that it she is guilty that she is not fully an Earth Kingdom girl, which she well, had let Rangi I mean, assume. We we get into and... it. We get into the next chapter about more in detail of why Rangi's pissed about it. It, it's not even, like, so much as, like, oh, Kiyoshi's biracial. It's it's really just more that she's just, like, I can't believe there's an airbender who's an asshole and a criminal. Because <laughs> because people like air nomads are peaceful people, right? They don't worry about physical possessions and stuff, and it's like, uh, it seems like this one did. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie, this feels kind of racist on Rangi's part to me. <laughs> I think it's just because, again, like... I mean, so often when we see any bit of the airbenders in the original, like, two shows, it's always just, like, you know, they kind of are just always, like, the spiritual, peaceful people, even if they do kind of become, like, something of an international policing force in Season 4 Korra. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> It's partly because, like, they're like, let's finally actually be, like, nomadic again, compared to just staying in the, the temples. And so they they more or less just, like, go around the world helping people rather than being, like, police, but it kind of reads a bit like they might be, like, international police in a sense. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I mean, we do get a little bit here about, like, uh, hearing that a despicable criminal and a gang boss was an air nomad would have been enough to shock and confuse anyone, which, okay, sure, fine. Even if we accept that premise that that would be shocking and confusing, I don't understand why Rangi is angry. It doesn't... that's not a thing to be mad about. <sighs> There's also a brief reference here to a great harvest spirit who leaves candy underneath children's pillows. Um... <laughs> I cannot help but imagine the Great Pumpkin from Charlie Brown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just a big old jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Lek is so thrilled that there's a bison that he's, like... <laughs> he does not read this at all, so he's, he's just busy being happy. Um... They all camp next to a creek the next day, hiding themselves just by being way out in the middle of nowhere, and um, it, it would have taken about a day for them to catch up if they were mounted on horses, but uh, really, it's fine. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Sorry, what's, so a, what's they, a horse? What's a horse? I don't, I don't know what those creatures are. An ostrich horse. There you go. Fine. <laughs> There's no such thing as horses in this setting. <laughs> It's always some hybrid bullshit animal, and you know it. <laughs> I don't think that's true, because we've had two different I mean, non-hybrid well, animals in I this mean, book. Snakes and... What was the other one in this book? I don't remember, but there was a second I one. I think we were talking about the bear, but that's in that's in Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> well, that wasn't... So there was the bear, which is separate, and then the snakes, and then there was another thing in this book. 
Oh, yeah. But I don't remember what it was. It's, yeah, I feel like there was something, and we brought it up. Just being like, wait, there's another one. But yeah, I think that was weeks ago at this point. Yeah. That was, it was too many weeks ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they're all camping, and Karima and Wong just basically fall asleep, trusting everyone else to watch their backs. So I guess they're very trusting criminals. Um, Lek is waiting in the creek, picking up more rocks to throw. Uh, <laughs> and meanwhile, Rangi is just like, giving the coldest shoulder possible because she is so mad about how the day has gone. Um, she wait, Kyoshi waits until Rangi is fully passed out before um, putting a blanket over her because the good blanket, the one that they hid from everybody else, because that's how it be when you're lesbians. Um, <laughs> and then Kyoshi goes to find Lauge. He's uh, sitting under a nasty old tree which is dying, and he is meditating. Um, he he tells Kyoshi that she's, like, too loud, but really what he's referring to is her spirit that's too loud. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently she is basically just screaming inside her soul, which is wild. Um, I mean, I get it. She just Looney Tunes her way through a whole town. Um, <laughs> but yes, what he says specifically is, if you went to the spirit world in your current condition, you would cause a typhoon the size of the bossing say. Um, and then Kiyoshi uh, fully just outs him. I mean, admittedly, she's not in front of a crowd, so there's that at least. But uh, she has learned his quote-unquote true identity. Identity. He is Tigwai the Immortal. Um, Lauge pretty much immediately picks up on the fact that this was in Jess's journal, but um, the the journal apparently talked about how he was a legendary underworld assassin who was rumored to be 200 years old, which, I mean, obviously that's fake. He's not a spirit, but definitely the, the book included descriptions of his fighting style with a crutch or the way he could, um, you know, move around his center of balance and... Kyoshi picked up on the way he was earthbending that that's, uh, that's it. But this is enough to get him to, I guess, break face, because he realizes that uh, he's not going to get rid of her this way. And so there's there's a weird change that comes over him, and it's, let's see, why would one such as yourself seek out immortal Tigwai? He asked, no longer an old man, but a human-headed monster asking a riddle in exchange for safe passage. <laughs> Very creepy. I love this. Mm -hmm. um, and he's perched on this, like, old, dead, gnarled root that's falling off of a tree, but it shouldn't be able to hold him up, and yet he's still perched on it because his inner sense of balance is so perfect. And Kyoshi is suddenly realizing for the first time that, oops, maybe it was a mistake to call this guy out. Uh, <laughs> hmm, maybe it was a bad idea to say, hey, I know you're actually a super assassin. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. She explains that her mother never actually said anything because Jessa was afraid of him on account of he's a legendary super assassin, which, again, should have given you some pause, but whatever. Uh... <laughs> Still, the mother was the one who figured it out, because um, she realized that he was using the Flying Opera Company as a cover to get from place to place to, you know, eliminate targets while they were smuggling stuff. Um, 
He does also mention that it's like he did kill the 40th Earth King. That, that's pretty Yeah, he sure did kill the 40th Earth King. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like... On some level, I don't know how big of a deal that is. Because... I mean, it's the Earth King. <laughs> you know, it's the Earth King, but... One of the leaders of one of the 400 nations. years before the Avatar, we know. We don't know anything about his defenses or what kind of... Yeah, true. He could have just been walking down the street and Laogui hit him with a truck. We don't know. <laughs> Laogui just being like, time to isekai this bitch. <laughs> As though trucks existed by the time of uh, Kiyoshi's time. <laughs> yeah, but you see what I'm getting at, right? We have no yeah. idea what security looks like. It's driving an ostrich horse-pulled carriage to just try to isekai this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, uh, to be fair, we do know that, but at least by the time of Aang's time, they essentially do kind of have trains because they have those like Earthbender guys who like push like yeah. the train carriage. So maybe trains exist for this guy to also get this guy on. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh, I mean, proto yeah, um, trains, not real trains like they are by the time of Korra's time. Um. Yeah, I mean, there there are certainly trains in Last Airbender, too, because the Fire Nation uses them, so... Do they have trains? I know they have, like, the, like, that weird, like, overland steam-powered vehicle that brings the yeah, drill. Yeah, that's a train. Isn't it a train? The drill has a construction and function similar to a tunnel-boring machine, the difference being that the tunnel-boring machine is not made for war, but for building tunnels for traffic, often for trains. That's the only mention of train in this entire thing. <laughs> it's a train. It's more of like a a vehicle, but it's not. I wouldn't call this a train. <laughs> yeah, it's a train. <laughs> well, uh, when Blue Sky gets polls, I'll put up a poll and ask our viewer or our viewers, our listeners, is the is the drill from Avatar a train? Yes or no? <laughs> it's a train. It's. I think it's literally just a big old drill that prowls itself by being a drill. <laughs> <laughs> it's a train. <laughs> anyway, um, Lauge actually stops to pray for Jaisa. He he mouths a, a prayer for the dead when Kyoshi reveals that it was her that figured it out, and he he was very impressed by this. He he didn't realize that she had caught him, and he's surprised by that. So. He wants to know what Kyoshi wants by calling him out like this, and it turns out that what Kyoshi wants is for him to teach her how to kill people. Um, <laughs> teach me to murder my master. <laughs> yes. Uh, his immediate answer is to hit them really hard with a rock in the head, but uh, Kyoshi is not satisfied with this answer because bending and killing are not the same thing. She wants to learn how to end someone's life, not how to physically kill them. She she wants to know how to deal with it emotionally, basically. And um, Laogay basically just tells her to go to bed because she's already learned the first lesson before she even came to him for lessons. And uh, she asks if that means they'll continue later and refers to him as Sifu because she's like trying to ingratiate herself to him in that she wants him to teach her. And uh, he says that, yes, we will have more lessons if and when I think it's the right time for it. So leave now. And uh, she does. But right before she does, he asks her to keep his whole thing a secret, 
because he doesn't want it to be complicated with everybody else, and, like, sure, obviously, she doesn't care that much, because she still kind of hates these guys, <laughs> but ultimately it's the only leverage she has, so she agrees to this, and in exchange, uh, he agrees to keep her secret. He won't tell them that she's gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you might have added me, Kiyoshi, but I'm not that much of a dick to meet you on that same level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I've got Gadar too, listen. <laughs> yeah, he's lived for like 200 years. He can figure out when somebody's gay or not. <laughs> Just takes one look at Rongi and is like, yep, she's gay. Looks like Yoshi. Yep, she's bisexual. Yep, alright. That's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, but that is the end of my chapters. Alrighty. I definitely got a lot more this week. Um, A lot of it was kind of a goofy action sequence, which was very fun. But yeah. also, yeah, it's hard to square this ridiculous Kyoshi with who she becomes. <laughs> yeah, again, it's like, there's no hint of her, you know, at one point uh, having signed up with criminals and having to escape from the cops by slamming through actual buildings from what we know of her briefly from Last Airbender. Well, I'm not surprised that she signed up with criminals based on what we saw from Last Airbender, but from that I would have expected her to be more along the lines of the Lao Gay, super competent assassin, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, when we're introduced to her, it's literally her, like, against an entire army, basically just trying to stop the Conqueror, and to the point where she's like, I'm just gonna fucking rip this part of the peninsula off to make it into an island and let that guy fall into his death into the ocean slash maybe lava that's there still? <laughs> so fuck you, my guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it was always just like, oh, okay, she's like the, you know, obviously, again, like, I mean, in the show, we never actually heard that she lived to be, like, over 20 years old, but it's like, she's just, like, an established person of, like, yeah, she can stand up against the entire army and win and murder their guy <laughs> with no repercussions whatsoever and no care in the world for the fact that she just killed that guy by accident. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, but it's very funny to be like, oh and yeah, when she was sixteen, she was a complete klutz. <laughs> <laughs> just so so distracted by being gay that she just crashes into buildings <laughs> and keeps going. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But yes, um, with that wonderful image of a seven-foot-tall giant lady smashing through a village face first <laughs> in our minds, I think we need to take a quick break for the Patreon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can always find us at patreon.com slash where we do all sorts of things to entertain our wonderful patrons. Uh, most saliently, we give a 13-week advance on our other show, The Axe Files, I don't remember why we started doing it 13 weeks in advance, but we did, so now it's magic. I think we aimed for, like, three months ahead, and it just worked out that it was 13 weeks overall. Because, like, <laughs> like, roughly, like, 12 would be three months. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, um, there's, there's a lot of episodes out there, and, of course, we do other stuff for you, too. For instance, every week I do a queer book review and recommendation. It's a pretty long essay. <laughs> And I boot up something either on my computer or now my PS5 and play it for usually like around two hours. <laughs> like, turns out, uh, talking over video games while focusing on them is not as easy as I once thought it was when I used to watch people like Giant Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, 
it's it's a good time and we appreciate those of you who are there which is why we need to give a huge shout out to aurora borealis and bookcase queen thank you so much y'all yep we hope you appreciate what we're doing and hope you stick around indeed but for the moment i think we probably need to get back to the show have fun Alrighty. And that will bring us into my chapter, which is chapter 16, The Agreement. Uh, basically, we just kind of skipped to the next morning where Kiyoshi had slept poorly since she's really concerned about how every older person like Tagaka and now... Uh, why did I write his name as Lagoki? <laughs> I don't know what I was doing with these notes two days ago, apparently. Laogi uh, can easily figure out her secret of being the Avatar and also bisexual. Uh, and at this rate, she basically thinks that she'll have to learn from babies like Lek, because, hey, Lek knows how to do murder. <laughs> Maybe you should talk to Lek. He seems pretty good at it. <laughs> at least in terms of, like, killing cops with a rock. <laughs> well, a rock like that's... Like you do. Yeah, a, a rock gun that where you give yourself for the gun. Not just picking up a rock and smacking them on the head of it. Uh, Ragi wakes <laughs> her up by basically just smacking her foot into her ribs uh, before sunrise, since uh, Kiyoshi says that she wants training, so Ragi's going to train her in firebending without the others seeing, since they keep the secret at least in between them. There you go and walk. Yeah, I'm a little hmm? weird about this. Hmm? Why so? I'm a little... Well, it's just... I guess it doesn't matter that much. I had my sequence of events wrong, is all, because fire does follow Earth. I thought there was another one in there. That's my bad. Oh, right, right, yeah, <laughs> just like the Avatar cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, the next Avatar after Kiyoshi is uh, Roku. <laughs> well, because as mentioned at the beginning of the book, uh, the Avatar is supposed to learn the elements in a specific order, and I forgot the order, but no, fire is next, so this is okay. Yeah. Which, again, it's like, I don't think they always keep to that cycle. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes it seems like it's like, there's like weird omissions. Like, I think in Korra's case, she should already know airbending by that point, but she just can't figure it out because Korra is not a patient person. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's right. Because it would go water and then earth and then fire and then air. So that's the last one she would pick up anyway, yeah. Yeah, I suppose, but also I'm pretty sure when we see her at, like, four years old, the first bit of bending she does is firebending at those, uh, white lotus guys. <laughs> well, to... yeah, because she's trying to prove she's the Avatar. Yeah, it doesn't really take much effort for her to prove that, considering she can do already do basics of, like, three of them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I don't know, obviously we don't see her progression of which one she fully figures out first, but presumably water, maybe. Unless she is Korra, she probably actually would figure out fire first. <laughs> no. <laughs> In any case... Uh, Rangi and Kyoshi go walk off for a bit to be out of eyesight of them because there are like some grassy mounds around that keep them at least out of vision. And Rangi has her practice some stances since she wants her to grasp the basics of basics before they even think about starting to make fire. And she basically <laughs> just puts Kyoshi through her paces, like basically just says that she wants her to try have her try holding a deep bending stance for 10 minutes, which Kyoshi had heard that like half of that time is impressive, and so she's like, I'm gonna die if I try to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and she quickly figures out not even a third of the way into this time that this is punishment for not telling Ranky every detail about her parents. <laughs> not get... cool, by the way. Yeah, it's like my girlfriend's a little annoyed, so she's putting me through a bit of physical pain. That sucks. <laughs> like, you want to train your student, I get it, whatever, but this... Not cool. You cannot bring your personal relationship into it like this. Yeah. This is just hurting your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. 
No, it's like they're really not officially girlfriends at this point, even if they've already made the fuck eyes at each other at times, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, in any case. Uh, Kyoshi apologized for not having mentioned that Jessa was a rogue airbender, since she just did not really think it was relevant when she was giving the rest of her backstory. But again, as mentioned earlier, Rangi really just can't get over the fact that an air nomad could potentially produce uh, a criminal on the level of a Dalfe, because usually they are a peace-loving nation, so being a Dalfe kind of goes against that in every essence possible. <laughs> uh, Kiyoshi then tells uh, her parents' backstory a bit about how her mother had become a master airbender at a young age, and had fallen for both Hark and the life of petty crime on the trip to the Earth Kingdom. And basically that she even got her airbender master tattoos covered up by snakes, which explains why I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting her to have like a snake head on her forehead. But it's like, oh, it's, yeah. it's obviously she had to put the snake head there to cover up the tattoo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if I'm honest, I'm a little surprised you didn't pick up on that last week. You're usually pretty perceptive about that sort of thing. No, Yeah, no, it just fully skipped my mind with that. I want to actually scroll up to see if I can find that photo again. Uh, uh, it should be the most recent photo in the recording spam channel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually, like, pretty... Like, even from that picture, it's pretty obvious, because you can still see a bit of the, like, the triangle outline on her forehead. Yep, mm hmm Yeah, I just hadn't noticed that and Especially, like, on her arm, the snake is wrapped around the yeah. arrow. It's not covering it. Yeah, it's... That should be, like, just, like, so obvious to everybody being like, why'd you put snakes... Okay, <laughs> you put snakes over your airbending tattoos. We know what those are. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Also, I only does not realize that yeah, she has like airbending tat, like she has like diagonal tattoos on her arms because like usually like I think aren't Angs like straight down the arm to go into his fist? Yeah, they sure are. Yeah, hers are like slightly different. But also, obviously, the difference of like four hundred years time or so. Yeah, but also if you look at this picture, her elbow is bending backwards, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know, hey, <laughs> yeah. Now that you say that, it's like, oh no, this just makes me think this is like AI generated art or something. <laughs> No, this is fine. She's she's just bending her elbow the correct way and then putting her arm behind her back, but it looks weird. In yeah, the I, I get that she's, like, doing that because, like, in, for the sake of the listeners, the picture is that, like, Kiyoshi's in, like, basically, like, a, like, baby carrier kind of thing that's around Jess's torso, and so she's, like, she's clearly doing that to, like, help, like, support Kiyoshi in the back, which... Yeah, it's it just looks a little strange. I, yeah, I say baby carrier. Kiyoshi's face does not look like a baby. <laughs> yeah, it's a baby carrier, but the head sticking out of it is fully like an eight-year-old child. Yeah, Kiyoshi looks like she'd be like four here because they'd left her at like six or seven. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> anyway. Um, now I'm just imagining baby Kiyoshi was like an actual <laughs> baby, but with this giant head. Ky Kiyoshi just has fucking... Uh... Benjamin Button syndrome. <laughs> well, not that. I just like she was born as a bobblehead, and her entire life she's been just trying to grow into how big her head is. <laughs> <laughs> like she's just like, oh yeah, poor Kyoshi. You can't learn how to walk until she's five years old because she just could not lift up the the weight of her head at all till then. <laughs> exactly. This is why she's so buff. <laughs> <laughs> just the strongest baby ever. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't realize it, but she was training herself all those years, just trying to be able to even stand up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh. Oh, hi, Ziggy. <laughs> all good. Ziggy. Ziggy's all good. been okay. Just making sure I didn't know Ziggy was gonna be screaming or something for food or whatever. <laughs> 
Well, she's eating. She's just screaming for the fun of it. <laughs> I gotta let everybody know I got my foods. Yeah. At any rate, uh, da -da -da. uh, apparently Jessa had become more prominent among the Dalfe than even Harkad. Saying Harkad is just weird. <laughs> I don't know why. Just saying those two words together is weird to me. But it's yeah, like he was the criminal for life and everything, and she joined in and she became more popular somehow. But basically, her. I mean, she was way more into it, is all. I yeah, I guess. But uh, her airbending basically started suffering as a result, basically due to they they call it like her spirit being tainted by greedy worldly concerns. Basically, it's a it's a little bit of like a like weird way to word that in a sense. It also feels kind of judgy. Yeah, but I also do understand that it's like, well, this is also like what they had to do to actually like retroactively make it make sense that Kiyoshi has fans because her mom basically compensated with fans to help out her airbending when it was starting to suffer as a result. <laughs> Especially because like we never see anybody else in the entirety of the two shows use war fans at all. It's literally just a Kiyoshi thing. Well, I mean, I'd be fine with that, right? Mm -hmm. It would not bother me at all if that was the only thing. I think it's more interesting to me that like accepting this book as canon means we accept as canon that airbenders lose their powers if they stop being all spiritual or whatever. Yeah, and which... that is far more broad-reaching than Kiyoshi has fans. Yeah, especially when you also take into consideration that doesn't happen to Aang. Because, yeah, like, uh -huh. Aang was trying to, like, let go of stuff in order to, like, fully, like, relock the Avatar state after he got, you know, struck by lightning in the Season 2 finale and all. And But, like... Mm -hmm. He unlocks that fully to be able to get back to the Avatar state to fight Ozai. And then he doesn't stick with that because he definitely still just romances and marries uh, Katara later on and has kids that have airbending powers too. And he's still his show at times in Korra Season 1 to still have his airbending by the time he's like in his 50s. <laughs> so, not sure about that. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe you're allowed to still like at least like have a family, but if you get like deeper than that in terms of like owning property, then it starts to fuck you up or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, you have to be able to have a family, otherwise, air nomads would die out in a generation. True. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's like because like we know Aang was like an orphan, I think. So it's like, I guess I kind of interpreted it as like, oh, okay, maybe they have kids, but then they like give them up to like the monks to raise, to not make those attachments or whatever. Like a Jedi thing? Yeah, like a Jedi thing, I guess. I don't know. Apparently in this game... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, I get that they were like, here's the reason why Kyoshi has fans. It's because her mom was an airbender and started getting her bending screwed up or whatever. So, that's Yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like this is such a weird precedent to set. I have not started the Yang Chen novel yet, but I really want to now because, like... <laughs> yeah, I, I really wonder... If, like, how different that novel is compared to this one. I get I get that, obviously, it would have, like, a different premise, because it's obviously a different character from a different <laughs> nation and all. But it's, like, it's it's still written by R.F. Kuang. No, 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 no R.F. Kuang wrote, uh, <laughs> fucking, what's, what, uh, the fucking Poppy War book. <laughs> Not R.F. Kuang. Uh, <laughs> this is F.C. Lee. Right. I remembered it was, like, initials and then a last name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's like, oh no, RF Quang, yeah, wrote Poppy War and Dragon Republic and The Burning God. <laughs> yeah. I could be mistaken, but I believe the Young Chen books are about her as an adult. 
adult, which would be a very interesting shift compared to this, so... Yeah, like, if she's already, like, the uh, acting fully as the avatar, trained in the elements or whatever, compared to Kiyoshi having no fucking idea how to even earthbend normally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I will oh. report back eventually. Oh, that's some real loud purring going on there. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's right in the microphone. <laughs> Fun. Alrighty. At any rate, uh, where did I leave off? Yes, uh, Rangi says that she didn't ask why Kiyoshi had fans as an earthbender, because she basically just assumed it was a touchy subject, which, hey, guess what? It is. Uh, <laughs> Kiyoshi was not about to tell Kal Song that she's the daughter of his culture's greatest disgrace. I guess, besides himself. <laughs> I mean, hey, remember, he did make a big typhoon or whatever and kill a bunch of criminals, so... <laughs> Yeah, this is a fair point. Yeah. If, if being less spiritual was enough to dull your powers, shouldn't have Kelsong lost all his powers mm. when he created that typhoon to kill all those people? Yeah, I guess maybe the difference is like, well, you're still you're still at least killing people that are really a danger to other people compared to like you're just trying to be a selfish little criminal asshole. Hmm. But you would you would definitely think that it's like, hmm, Kelsong, are are you hiding some stuff that we're not sure of yet, my guy? <laughs> Besides that, obviously. <laughs> Besides that, you did a lot of murder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but she still is like not still not fully understanding how a master of Ender could choose a low life guy over her spirituality. And at this point, Rangi jokes about how Kiyoshi should promise her to not toss her life away for her boy, like her mom did. Again, because they're just aggressively gay. And Kiyoshi like laughs a little bit and starts to say that well, like who would even be worth doing that? But then she cuts herself off before she finishes that sentence because she realizes it's a bit too late that she is implying, well, Yoon's dead, so what's the point of mask people at this rate based on my life? Oof. <laughs> yep. <laughs> She's like, I don't know any other masculine presenting people that I actually would consider, so oopsie doodle. The one I did got <laughs> eaten by a, a monster. Spirit. <laughs> Yeah. She then feels bad for laughing a bit because of her response, and also that she didn't curse out Zhu's name while mentioning Kelsang casually, and also that she also just had totally forgotten about Yoon being gobbled up by Father Glowworm. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like three days and already forgetting that guy's, you know, assumed dead. <laughs> still, still, Jerry's still out in that. I'm not convinced still fully, but we'll see, I guess. I mean, eaten by a ghost is a pretty strong way to go. He's not a ghost, he was like a big centipede guy. <laughs> With like a little like uh anglerfish lure on his head, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. Uh but they both awkwardly look away at each other uh, from each other at this point. Uh and Kiyoshi swears that she has to get tougher so emotion doesn't mess with her quest for vengeance. And Kiyoshi that's not that's not a healthy answer. <laughs> uh, and she at this point asks if she can try making fire, but Rangi just says no, because Rangi doesn't want her to go out of control while she's all tense, and that she would also start bad habits basically on the wrong kind of firebending, which pre I presume would be like the like using anger to fuel firebending, which is like kind of what they really show a lot in the show as being the wrong kind of firebending, since the better mm -hmm. kind is using your breath as a source rather than just being fucking pissed all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, like, by 400 years from now, the wrong way to do it is, like, the standard, so... Yeah, pretty much. But, I mean, it's like, well, the, pe the only people that really actually are practicing it are also doing a bunch of shitty colonizing bullshit, so... You know, <laughs> kind of not a great time for them anyway, and regardless, so... It's just bad. Yeah. 
Uh, Kiyoshi doesn't listen, because of course she's Kiyoshi, uh, and tries it anyway. And she basically has to, like, resort to laying on her back to direct, like, a tiny little bit of smoke upwards after it causes her considerable pain, because it's, like, it, it's kind of a uh, little bit of a contrast where she's like, yeah, it was causing considerable pain, but it doesn't actually, like, produce fire itself. She just basically farts out a little smoke cloud <laughs> from her fingers. Well, I mean, it's like, you're superheating the air around you. Of course it's gonna hurt if you do it wrong, Kyoshi. Yeah, that, that's... Think about this. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, even if it's just making smoke and not fire. Uh, Rangi gives her a very disapproving look, like when a parent or teacher is not mad, just disappointed, which is worse than being mad. <laughs> and then, like, arrives to interrupt us by asking what kind of firebending that was, but directs the question at Rangi, since he did not see Kyoshi sizzle out the smoke. Even though she's still just fully laying on the ground flat on her back. <laughs> she's still just there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rangi just brushes this off as having a momentary break in her discipline while glaring directly at Kiyoshi, and that it simply will not happen again if she ever wants to firebend the right way. Clearly meaning all this for Kiyoshi instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even though she's giving this excuse to like, it's like it's all directed at Kiyoshi being like, you fucking dumbass, listen to me, please. <laughs> But they go and follow Lek back to camp to eat breakfast of burned elephant rat, yummy, which uh, Kiyoshi and Rangi eat in big chunks to demonstrate their annoyance at each other. They're just angry eating. <laughs> <laughs> just two, two big idiot lesbians just angry eating at each other. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lek is surprised that, in his words, an army princess and a servant girl from a fancy, fancy mansion would be that enthusiastic about this pretty suboptimal meal. Parangi's been through survival training and for her military service, and Kiyoshi used to eat little garbage, because the villagers should not help her, despite her parents leaving her in a farming village. So I was like, yeah, I was in a farming village, that doesn't mean I get any of the actual produce they made. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wong kind of at this point just has like a little rant about hating law-abiding, sell-to-the-earth kind of people, for this very reason, because they have a pretty hypocritical view on things, and how they kind of just deserve to get robbed for it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's like, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna act like honest folk and not actually help out people in need, fuck you. I mean, fair. Yep. Yep. Kiyoshi says that she basically didn't hate the townsfolk nearly as much as the people who have been her there, and of course, Alex storms off at this because turns out her parents had pretty much taken him in after he lost his last remaining family of his brother back years ago. And Kiyoshi is not warmed up by this little story. She just gets pissed about it because it's like, oh, sorry that I don't want to actually have favor towards the people who dumped me in favor of somebody else. Hooray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh boy. I'll remember to be nicer to the boy my mother and father decided to raise instead of me. Yep. <laughs> Fucking knives out for Lek, apparently. <laughs> Listen, Lek is being a little crap face. I mean, uh, yeah, it's... I get that he would obviously think highly of Jessa and Hark for that, but it's like, my guy, you have to actually like be at least willing to see how Kiyoshi views this. Because <laughs> again, they abandoned her like nine plus years ago, and then uh -huh. now she's getting the news that, oh yeah, after they did that, they took in you instead of come back for me? What the fuck, my guy? <laughs> yeah. Be very curious to see how these two go forward, basically, because it's like, I, I kind of envision it being like, they're just always going to be at each other's heads, kind of, like, kind of deal, but it's like, 
I kind of expect there to be like a time where it's like they actually have to like put their differences aside or something. That like, my theory is like maybe even like like jumps in front of something to save her or whatever, and he dies instead or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, because it's like, oh, you actually were my sister all along, kind of deal, kind of whatever. Who knows? You do. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I certainly do. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, this Karima uh, asks Rangi why she's here at all, but before Rangi can even like give her full explanation, she just cuts her off because she's like, "Nope, you're not gonna bore me to death with talking about how you're here because of honor." That that suck. That stuff is annoying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun little wink and nod and, like, poking fun at the main show, just how often, like, every single episode, it always has somebody talking about honor, mostly because of Zuko's deal. <laughs> so it's like, yep, nope, we know about this shit, moving on. Yeah, we had this conversation last week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Karima and Wong don't bother to share their backstories with them, even though they just did. And Kiyoshi then turns the conversation to the fact that she and Rangi didn't technically agree to their terms last night. It's like, we didn't actually shake on anything. Because <laughs> you got the loan dropped in. Wang is legitimately hurt at this, since they both ate a meal together and beat up cops together. <laughs> and it's like, well, I thought we were tight. <laughs> <laughs> How could you do this to me? Uh, Karim is just more focused on not being stranded in the ass and the where <laughs> more than anything. Hard to blame her. Yeah. But basically, Kiyoshi just, you know, again, says, like, oh, yeah, no, you, you gotta give me what I want here, and also, since there's nobody else around, you are the ones who are gonna train me. Which, I mean, fair, there's literally nobody else in their operation besides the three of them. So, yeah. your options are kind of limited. Well, four. There's four of them. Yeah, I guess. If, if Laggy counts. <laughs> He's a member he, of the team. He, he's he's like a he's like a half. It's like there's three and a half. He's here sometimes, but he's mostly just kind of wandering off or whatever, doing his own thing, <laughs> getting drunk. Uh, Karima asks why she'd get dragged into this because again, she's a waterbender, not an earthbender. But Kiyoshi had basically prepared an excuse ahead of time, saying that one can always learn something from every nation, and she'll basically just do whatever is necessary to get stronger. And she also refuses to answer the question of who exactly it is that she wants to murder this badly, since she really does not want word to spread of her connection to Zhangju to possibly spread and create a trail back to her. You know, <laughs> smart. Makes sense. One of the few times she actually thinks about something, compared to just being her usual dummy thick self. <laughs> Uh, Kiyoshi, huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I guess that's how I interpreted her. She's seven feet tall, she's probably ripped as hell, right? <laughs> she's well, We've established I mean, she's a she's, dummy. <laughs> she's definitely buff, but buff isn't the same thing as thick. She could be thick like tree trunks. <laughs> she could be ripped. We don't know. Kiy I mean, Kiyoshi's worked as a servant for like nine years, something or something like that. She can, she can, she probably has some muscle on her, right? Well, again, like, yeah, absolutely, but that's different. <laughs> yeah, I guess. When you, when the way that I said dummy thick implied something different, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's a very specific connotation. <laughs> yeah. Okay, dummy buff. <laughs> Regarding the relative mass of one's buttocks, shall we say? <laughs> or thighs. I feel like thighs get lumped in. <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh, <laughs> Kiyoshi then says she wants to learn their skyrunning technique, which uh, is apparently the flying opera company's signature move that 
they alternatively called death stepping or misstepping. And Kiyoshi can tell that it's a guarded secret of theirs, because it's like, oh, okay, they don't want to just easily get it up. Baragi points out that she had basically already stole it from them after seeing them do it once, which apparently would usually get her killed for it by other criminal groups for just ripping <laughs> off their style immediately. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to blame them. Yeah, it's like, oh, you stole her secrets. Uh, well, it's either you gotta join us or you gotta die. <laughs> Two choices. <laughs> yep. Uh. Uh, Karima basically then offers that in order to learn their ways, she has to actually become one of them and swear their oaths and follow their codes, rather than just acting like she's better than them and just acting outside of it in order to actually still get the benefit. And Kiyoshi's a bit repulsed to become someone like Takaka or her parents. I almost actually said Takaka myself there. (laughs) 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 I'm starting to spread to me too now at this point, but yeah. uh... Well, I mean, I never said Takaka. It's Takaga. It's my mistake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair, yeah. But we're both starting to maybe get close to mispronouncing her name, (laughs) at the least. But yeah, but uh, she pushes this aside to agree despite Rangi's protest, because of course Rangi's still kind of a cop herself. (laughs) <laughs> Wang does admit that Rangi's actually right about this for once, since you really don't just become a criminal lightly, and that she'd have to put aside her tendencies of looking down on their group to instead accept them as her new family. Kiyoshi basically just doesn't value her honor nor reputation, and gladly trades them for power in order to avenge Kelsang and Yoon, so... Good job. Like, love yeah. it, love it. Yeah, again, it's like interesting approach for an avatar who usually like basically being like, oh, I gotta, I gotta balance the world. I gotta be the everybody's avatar. And meanwhile, Kiyoshi's like, nah, I'm gonna be the criminal's avatar. Fuck that. <laughs> Sign yeah. me up. I will do whatever it takes. I would love to do some crimes. Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, they then proceed to basically an abridged version of the Oath by subbing in Wan holding a knife over her head in place of the archway of swords and spears that they usually swear behind. P- pretty funny no- uh, image of just this big buff guy just holding a little pocket knife above Kyoshi. <laughs> like, well, we're in the middle of nowhere, this is the best we got. Uh, yeah, and it's not like they even have enough people to hold a whole bunch of swords. Yeah, I mean, they don't even have a sword or a spear, even one. <laughs> they have a pocket knife and some more fans. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and while he does that, Krima lets her off with just basically saying the three most crucial uh, oaths of the apparently 54 total that she has to swear by. Kiyoshi basically kind of hesitates on the second one a little bit, since it means disregarding the law and order of the Avatar, that or that, that the Avatar is basically kind of sworn to uphold, and also she's a good little Earth Kingdom kid, so, oh no, <laughs> this goes against being an Earth Kingdom kid, uh, whatever. <laughs> no, but I love this oath, this is great. I swear to follow no ruler and be beholden to no law, should I become behold- should I become the lackey of any crown or country, may I be ripped apart by thunderbolts. That's fantastic, yeah. I love it. Which, to be fair, like, that kind of doesn't even, like, mention an Avatar-like position. That's like talking about no. being beholden to a certain nation or, like, leader or whatever. The Avatar acts, like, as a bridge between everybody. The Avatar isn't sworn to anybody in particular. I mean, one, that's a great oath for an Avatar, because the Avatar cannot be sworn to one nation. That's, yeah. like, a whole thing. But for two, it's also great for just people in general, because mm-hmm. it's not an oath to disobey the law. It's, like... An oath to be willing to break the law if you feel like it. Yeah, like, 
like it's like it's a different thing like in like uh court season two when she's like oh i'm torn between the north and the south water tribes when it's like they're supposed to be unified and everything but it's like the unifying them is actually kind of harming both so it's like yeah. oh then being like you can't take sides you're especially everybody's avatar and meanwhile Korra's like yeah but also y'all here in the north are being assholes <laughs> <laughs> so you know not being assholes maybe <laughs> That would do it. And then they continue to be assholes. <laughs> uh, easily the worst series season of that show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've introduced Varric, so there is at least that silver lining, right? <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh, we're not talking about shows. Strikes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me see where did I leave off. Yeah, uh, yeah, she hesitates on that one a little bit, but she basically uh, has no problem with defending her newfound kin or to accept the paid wage in exchange for labor, which are the, basically the gist of the other two main laws. <laughs> so she does agree to all of them. Uh, and Wong yeah, basically. I just... don't love the third one too much. I mean, it says like, her. I get it. Yeah, but the third one is a kind of a bad rule, I think, in general. Hmm. Which is to say that she swears an oath to never get paid for her work. I think it, well, it says, like, never getting paid by, like, a legitimate person. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, we can take crime jobs, basically, but, like, you can't, you can't basically, like, exchange labor for food or money, basically. Should I ever accept coin for my labors? May I be sliced to bits by a variety of knives? <laughs> I do. I do still also appreciate the little like edit thing there, where she's like, I, I didn't really reckon, like understand why that was really different than the first one, which also mentioned being torn apart by knives. <laughs> well, it's many knives versus a variety of knives. It's yes. Fair. I, I guess it's like, well, it's like if you have you like the first case, it's like you have to have twenty knives. The other case, it's like you you can have like seven knives as long as they're all different kinds of knives. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need nearly that many. You just need a better variety rather than just twenty kitchen knives. Which would actually be a terrible <laughs> way to try to kill somebody. <laughs> oh goodness, yes. T Twenty butter knives. We're gonna kill you with these. That's the only thing we got. Sorry, this is gonna suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cream and Wong basically just kind of wander off toward the camp to clean it up after this, with not much fanfare at all. Just being like, "Yep, you're in. <laughs> all right, moving on." Uh, and they basically say that Kyoshi will get her lessons after they get uh some job sorted out, so they don't need to eat elephant rat again. Kiyoshi's just kind of immediately annoyed that they aren't treating her like equals after being sworn in. So she tries, again stupidly, to try to establish herself in a better spot in the pecking order by stepping on a blanket that Wong was about to collect, which basically just gets him trying to murder her with his brain. <laughs> I do really like that description. Like, when he couldn't actually just kill her with his mind, he eventually decided to stand up. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Basically, uh, he just tells her that the race he's going of being a brat, that he won't teach her how to use her fans, which makes her actually back off because she's like, wait, you actually know how to use these things? What? <laughs> Rangi basically had looked at these fans before and hadn't been able to figure them out because she's like, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's not a sword, so maybe you can sneak it in somewhere, but I don't know this shit. <laughs> Uh, but Wong basically takes one of the fans and then performs an elaborate dance of it while singing, which Kiyoshi realizes that his moves are not only a sight to behold, but also a sequence of attacks, dodges, and retaliation. So it's like, oh, neat. Uh, and when he's finished, Kiyoshi can kind of only just applaud and ask where he learned that, which... The, the answer was, like, a little bit vague. I want to see if I can scroll to it to try to suss out what they mean here. Uh... Da -da -da. 
Where is it? Um, uh, we have a lineage through your father's side that traces back to one of the royal theater schools in Ba Sing Se. So, like, I don't know if that means that, like, her dad went to the school, or, like, if a family member of his did and he picked stuff up from them? Uh, I mean, I assume that it's his family, since it's talking about lineage and not, like, your dad was one of the theater companies. I mean, I, I could have read lineage as, like, oh, he just passed it on to them. Like, they're the line there is lineage in a sense. But it, it was mostly, like, trying to figure out whether Hark had actually been in the Royal Theater or not. Is what I was trying to figure out. I don't feel like he has, but maybe. I mean, he he does have the makeup, so I guess that could like be an implication that he did actually have like you know outfits prepared at times for performances, or at least accessories and stuff. Mm, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It's maybe. it's a it's a little vague, so I I just wanted to point it out, just being like I just couldn't figure it out from there. But it's like I could see it go either way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically, uh, they had basically, like, uh, you know, practiced, uh, stuff that they learned from Hark or someone associated with Hark in order to maintain their cover while working in cities, because obviously they're criminals, they kind of need a cover story when they're there. And Kyoshi feels pretty good about the deal that she made with them, since the Royal Theater's performers apparently can mimic tons of martial styles and act out dangerous stunts without getting hurt <laughs> in the process. So it's like, oh, okay, this is actually probably a really good trade that I got here. <laughs> and Wong, at this point, trades her a fifth of her share of some future jobs in exchange for teaching her how to use these fans. I'm not sure why learning the fans from him doesn't count as part of her training, but sure. <laughs> I wonder. Well, it's not bending training, which is what she asked for before. I, yeah, I guess she did specify training at first, but then she clarified bending training. So I guess, yeah, I guess yep. maybe this isn't included. I could also view it as like, oh, okay, Wong knows Kyoshi's a bit of an idiot. He could actually get more out of this, even though he technically has agreed for teachings in general. <laughs> like, oh, the, like, like the agreement was vague enough. Maybe I can get one over on her or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> Kyoshi agrees, though, because Kyoshi's a dummy. And it's just funny that both Rangi and Karima both face palms, since Karima says that Wong could have easily gotten at least 50% of her shares from her, because she's a sucker. And they don't explain why Rangi face palms, but it's presumably because she thinks Kyoshi's a bit of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Karima then uh, tells Lek, who has basically uh, been over with Pong Pong this entire time, saddling her up for their flight. Uh, that Kiyoshi is their newest member, but he basically just refuses to acknowledge her as kin, because he's a shitty little teen, and also he still doesn't like her because she doesn't like her shitty parents. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but he reveals that he does know how to actually, like, properly tend to a Sky Bison, since their entire reputation was carried by just his bison that we had mentioned last chapter. So, like, yeah, we, we flew over checkpoints all the time. We had to know how to actually, like, make sure that she was properly saddled and all. I guess they never actually used <laughs> pronouns for Long Yan, so I don't actually know. But yeah, but he's yeah. he's he's basically just being like, you don't have to double check my work here. I know what the fuck I'm doing. But <laughs> <laughs> Rangi then immediately like, jumps into the driver's seat to still establish where she is on the pecking order. It's like, nope, this is my spot. You stay there. Uh, but like, kind of ones up her by being the navigator since he has a map to be able to direct him to a meeting post in the mountains outside of Ba Sing Se, which. When they're there, they'll get the latest news from other criminal groups and pick up some easy jobs to get themselves situated. And at this point, they take off, and Lex starts to ask how they actually even came by a bison at all, since neither of them are air nomads, and bison only let people fly them if they're already familiar with them. So it's like, oh, did, 
and this one must know who you are at the least. So <laughs> Kiyoshi at this point chooses to lie by saying that she stole Pang Pang from an airbender friend, which is a little bit the truth, a little bit a lie. I mean, it's like, I don't think it's really stealing if, you're per if your friend is dead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she... She decides to lie about it about about where Pong Pong came from, which concerns Rangi and just fully disgusts Lek since he's like, uh, he separated a bender from their bison. But he at least also rationalizes it by being like, well, also you treat your parents like trash, so I could also see you treat your friend like trash, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only at this moment when Kyoshi finally realizes that uh, Lao Gi is just not with them. But we just end the chapter right there. We don't actually figure out where he's gone. <laughs> he's just wandered yep. off. He's probably still just sleeping somewhere. We will never know. Rip. By which I mean we will maybe know next week. There's only one way to find out, and that's to wait until next week. I would assume that he would not... I mean, I could see him bounce from the story for a bit to basically be like, oh, I'm only going to come back when it's time for lessons or whatever. But, like, I feel like with that reveal of him being an assassin, he wouldn't just immediately vanish. Ha. Like, it's like, I feel like it's like, okay, he'll hang around a bit, and then he'll be like, I'm gonna go do my own thing. I'll show up when I'm ready to teach you stuff. <laughs> and how to be a murderer. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but we'll find out. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Oh, I did right. I did look a little bit ahead. I didn't realize that uh, for, like, two of our three weeks in a row here, you actually get, like, a Janju chapter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little funny that it's working yeah. out that way. <laughs> It do be like that sometimes. It's also like I get <sighs> I get that they want to have like kind of different perspective chapters at times to show like what else is going on, but it's like the fact that it has Kyoshi's name on the book itself was like kind of make me go like oh I'm actually kind of surprised that there's so often that we're hanging out with a character that's not Kyoshi like whether it's Janju or like earlier there was like a Yoon chapter or two, <laughs> just hanging out with somebody else instead. <laughs> yeah. No idea. By which I mean I have an idea, but I'm not going to say. I mean, yeah, you obviously know. You've read this book and the other one. <laughs> I have. A couple times now. Yeah, I don't. Eventually, at some point, we will cover something that I am knowledgeable about that you have not seen or read. <laughs> I mean, we could do that, but the thing is, is that you just keep picking things that I know about. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, to, be f I mean to be fair, we kind of like both agreed upon Kiyoshi. Like we were trying That's to true, yeah. we were trying to figure out like an alternative to to strikes. Yeah, like but like I had I had picked like Infinity Train because I hadn't actually watched all of it. And like when you suggested she which yeah. I think you actually suggested she like near the beginning, like when we were like, Well start with Owl House and everything. And like that what I was like being like, Yeah, okay, I wouldn't mind watching She because again I'd only watched season one of that as well, so it's like you know, it was like, oh, it just worked out that, like, the first show you picked and the second one I picked were things I hadn't seen yet, <laughs> or, like, in deep, <laughs> in full. And now this is also a case of, like, oh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a queer book here I actually haven't read all the way. Let's read that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> Although, to be fair, I feel like the only thing that I have that actually you might be interested in would be Steam Universe, and God, Steam Universe is so fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that that I feel like we would definitely have to do like four episodes each because each episode is like around like the like ten to eleven minute thing like Infinity Train, and it's just there's so much of that show it's so long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's also just it would be rough at the start because there's so many episodes early on that are just like goofy adventure of the week or whatever, and it's like 
they're all in a sense like helping to establish the state of that world and everything. But it's like it, it's really not until like season two or so that like shit starts to actually get interesting. Because by that point, like we're introduced to like Lapis and Peridot and Jasper. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll figure it out if we want to go that route. That would just be long. <laughs> and also, yeah, like, well, it's, we it's got still... plenty of time before yeah. that we have to talk about that. Still so. depends on the strikes, too. Yeah, um, I think we should probably move to our next segment, though, and that is questions. <laughs> so, if you have questions for us, you can send them to us at usweirdoscast2 on Twitter at Osviertoscast on Blue Sky, or at Osviertos on Co-Host. We will eventually figure out how to be better at SEO, but that day is not today. <laughs> I mean, the easy answer there, I feel like, is see if we can change one of Co-Host and Blue Sky and just say fuck Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it would have yeah. at least been a little consistent if Elon Musk had actually been uh, a smart boy for once and not made us lose access to the original Osviertos Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be nice. But yes, um, so we have, I guess, basically two questions from M. Healy at M. of Healy on Twitter. But one of them is a little facetious. I'm not sure how much discussion we'll have about that. Uh, referring to cops, she beat up one gang and joined a smaller one, question mark. And I mean, yeah, she did do that. Uh Well, actually, she only kind of did that. She only beat up, like, four cops when she was bashing them with the board. The rest of them, yeah. she just kind of ran away from. Yeah, she beat up a few of them. She might have decapitated one, we're not sure. Or bashed a skull in, <laughs> we're not sure about that either. I guess I envision it like her, like, at some point when she threw it, she was basically just Captain America throwing it. So it's like, that's why I envision yeah. it, her just, like, decapitating a guy's head off. But it's I'm like, inclined to agree. But, like, they're, like, they're still, like, lawmen of, like, a governor. And, like, I, I don't think... I mean, yes, cops in these day, this day and age do really act like gangs, but it's like I feel like the implication here is that like they're more like these are actual officials and everything who are at least a little bit more disciplined and organized compared to current day cops. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I just don't see them I'm as like. I'm gonna go gang. ahead and just read the next question because mm-hmm. the second question. Uh, more seriously, am I the only one bothered when fantasy fiction modeled after pre-modern civilizations default to the very modern models of policing? Pratchett did it as a joke, but many other books do it unironically. And, yeah, it's very strange, because the thing is, they're not modern police. And, frankly, I don't think they're really even effectively bureaucrats. Uh-huh. Again, this is a gang of thugs. They're not, like, trains. They're barely soldiers. They're the guys who want to punch and fight and they work for the boss Mm -hmm. like they are very effectively a gang in the most literal sense it's just that their gang has the weight of being behind a governor yeah i think it's mostly just again like the use of like calling them police in the setting at this point in time when it's like that's just strange like that's that's obviously like uh you know pulling from a real world like uh, alleg- like not an allegory, uh, analog of like, yep, we call them police in this day and age. But like, again, like throughout most of like last year, they're they're just like guards or soldiers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like we get like a a police force, but also like by that point, they basically have gone through like the industrial revolution in a sense. Yeah, I mean, calling them police, I feel like, especially in this book, gives them a legitimacy that they just do not have. They are effectively hired guns, mm-hmm. and yet. 
But that said, and I guess this is a little spoilery, at the beginning of the second book, there is a full-on police force. Like, Kiyoshi is working with a grizzled detective who's too old for this stuff. So. <laughs> no, Kiyoshi, you already abandoned your life of crime to work with the cops. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you said that there's like a two or three year time skip between books two and three, but still. <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, fully, they have police cruisers and paddy wagons and everything. <laughs> Okay, so is it like a proper paddy wagon that they send pork chop in, or is it like the kind you collect an animal in that pork chop should have been in? <laughs> no, I mean it's it's more like the pork chop edition, although of course it's like earthbending okay. technology. So yeah, I I just had to make a call back to that because by this point I think that Christmas festival will be out. <laughs> you never know. Uh, and if I mean, it's not. If we got like six or seven weeks before it would be out, we have enough like episodes between the ones we have recorded of Kyoshi and the last few Infinity Train. I think we'll make it. I'm gonna accelerate our release schedule just to spite. No. <laughs> well, I guess that would be. <laughs> but then you're spoiling the listeners on the episode I picked, even though you could see that in the show notes. <laughs> and probably also based um. on whatever tweet, skeet, whatever joke I put up mentioning it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, like, I, we gotta figure out a better way to do that. I want, I don't want to just call it post in general, just because I don't want to use what Musk calls them now. <laughs> I know, I did. To be fair, Blue Sky also calls them post, but everybody calls them like most people call them skeets because they're just being silly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And since we just had the one question, or rather, questions from the one person today, I'm gonna give you one of our freaks takes. So again, we're just gonna get one of these today. And we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel with these. I, I don't mean that they're necessarily bad, but we are running out. At this point, we have seven left. So. Oh, you're going to have to figure out what we're going to do in place of a Frank's take soon. Yeah, I sure am. <sighs> All right. You ready? Mm -hmm. What is the secret of the green thumb? I would say having a basic knowledge about how plant horticulture works. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's really much of another answer to that, Freak. <laughs> like, knowledge and enough dedication to see it through, and that's yeah. kind of the thing. Yeah, that's like asking, like, how, how did you learn how to cook? And, like, I, I followed recipes and practiced. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, I definitely tried to hard boil an egg yesterday, and I messed it up real bad. I oh. wasted like six eggs. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> hang on. You have to explain to me how this happens. <laughs> well, because the thing is, is that you boil the water first, and mm -hmm. then you put the egg in, right? Yeah. But I couldn't get the egg to go in the water in such a way. They kept just falling to the bottom of the pot and cracking, and then oh. I'd have egg soup. Right. So, yeah, you can't get them to float, like... Yeah. yeah. Because like, because uh, when you put the egg in the water, it sinks to the bottom, and then as it cooks, as it boils, it starts to float. But they would just drop so fast that they'd hit the bottom and crack open, so they never had a chance to boil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I guess yeah. Like I was thinking, of, like in terms of like, were you just like cooking them in a different way? I, I, I was just like, I, I'm just flashing back. I know. I, I bring this up because I re-listened to our Christmas episode from last year recently with how we got so distracted with all those peanut specials. But I'm just thinking <laughs> of the Easter one when, like, they're trying to make 
like hard boiled eggs and like the whole joke is marcy doesn't understand you boil them even though hard boiled <laughs> is in the name so she's always just like doing stuff like putting them in a waffle maker or like cracking them into a toaster and then turning it on yeah <laughs> like being like are, are you doing what marcy thought is how you make uh, hard boiled eggs or something i would hope not because oh, no. like marcy's like five you are an adult i would hope not <laughs> No, after many stories of my exploits, I have finally revealed to my listeners a weakness. I am just so strong, I can't put eggs down without <laughs> destroying them. <laughs> yeah, you know, again, you have, you have to figure out how to use, like, uh, like start, like, 5% of using all for one <laughs> to use that analogy again. It's like, you can't just use the full power, or else you're going to break all your bones and all the eggs. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> okay, no, that, that actually makes sense when you're like, oh yeah, no, they do just sinking and then cracking when they hit the bottom of the pan. Or pot like that that at least jacks that that's like okay i'll accept that that's how yeah uh, it was possible to mess up that five times did the six time work at least uh well because i needed four of them mm -hmm. is the thing so oh no <laughs> okay so, so wait so did only two mess up then and the other four worked well i wasted six eggs <laughs> to get four. Oh, okay so you went through 10 total is what you're saying yes that is correct <laughs> So, like, you almost went through an entire carton of eggs. Basically, yes. <laughs> On your own. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been yeah, like for five, one recipe. It's been, like, five minutes. <laughs> <sighs> were your parents annoyed? <laughs> or were they bemused? <laughs> uh, they weren't home, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, they must have found out later on, right? <laughs> uh, if they have, they haven't mentioned it. Mm. Maybe I guess they were just like, yeah, I guess maybe Patch was just really hungry for a lot of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I bought a new carton to replace the old. Oh, one, there so. you go. Yeah, so they don't know. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the new carton I bought is from a different store, so it looks different. So the question is whether they'll notice that. Hmm. I mean, if they haven't said anything, maybe they're just choosing to not acknowledge it. <laughs> or maybe they just haven't. Well, maybe they don't think about eggs. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just have not noticed. <laughs> like, huh? Eh, there's a carton of eggs in there. <laughs> There is no way to know for sure. <sighs> At least you actually went ahead and replaced it. I can always just, like, I always think back to, like, I think I told the story before when, like, my idiot cousin, like, had basically, like, stolen, like, almost, like, all the vodka out of a, like, bottle that, like, his parents had. And, like, he was just basically replacing it with water. And this was, like, to the point where it's, like, maybe, like, 5 or 10% of this bottle is still vodka. And we find this out because we're just, like, hanging out in their basement, again, on, like, uh, Christmas when we were visiting their house. Because I think they had, like, a pool table down there or something. And from upstairs, we just hear the rest of the adults be like, "What? what's up with this vodka? It tastes like water. And, like, my cousin just gives a look like, I'm fucked. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, they, they were pretty amused because, again, it's like, you don't use that much of it, you dummy. <laughs> you use half the bottle <laughs> at most to try to make it still taste roughly the same, even if it's not really alcoholic anymore at that point. <laughs> or at least the water obviously isn't. But it's like, yeah, no, they were like, ah, oh, you fucking idiot, you're paying the back, you're paying this battle back. <laughs> and that was it, really. But at least you didn't, at least you didn't do that, you didn't, like, put, like, you didn't put, like, ping pong balls inside the egg carton or something. <laughs> Be like, these are eggs. <laughs> like, you at least, like, actually want to replace the carton. Like, you at least were like, yep, yeah. I, I, sac I sacrificed eight eggs to the egg gods, I should replace these. <laughs> No, I can't help but notice the number is steadily creeping up every time you... <laughs> okay, did I say eight? I meant six. <laughs> there you go.
I think it's because I like I had the alliteration in my mind of like eight eggs. It was like the E sound both <laughs> instead of six. <laughs> no, yeah, there we go. <sighs> yeah, how do we talk? How do we get on to talk about eggs from like fucking talking about like how do you make grow, plants grow? <laughs> oh wait, uh, it's because, because you said it was like cooking. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had more to talk about from that little like venture instead of actually talking about the freight take. <laughs> I mean, there's not a whole lot there. No. The secret is know what you're doing. Yeah. And like, practice. Like, do some fucking research. Google had to take care of plants. <laughs> no, I mean, if you're watching a troll in Central Park, the secret behind the green thumb is that only trolls can have green thumbs and that it's a special kind of magic that makes the plants <laughs> grow. But that's only if you're watching a troll in Central Park, so. Yeah, well, I mean, in this case, you also have to probably be living in the Unsleeping City setting to see a troll in Central Park. <laughs> Oh, no, this is a, a Don Bluth animated movie. Oh, okay. It is... I don't know how to talk about it exactly. Don Bluth movies are a special kind of weird, and this one in particular stuck with me basically my whole life, but I don't know. It's also not exactly what I would call good. It's more unique in an interesting way. <laughs> Oh, but yes. Uh, why is this? <laughs> this troll does not look like how I would envision a troll. <laughs> it kind of looks more like a Keebler elf. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Yeah. He doesn't have the pointy ears, but he kind of has that, like. It, I think it's mostly the nose is making me think of, like, the Keebler elves. Or, like, even, like, Sleepy from the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> yeah, definitely kind of got a Seven Dwarves thing going on. Yeah. But with like jaundice <laughs> <laughs> uh, the seventh dwarf John D the sick one <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess uh, maybe his name would just be sickly because they all end in like that like yeah there you go they, they all have that like kind of vibe I feel like you know, sickly fits better with the dwarves with being like sleepy bashful and stuff like that <laughs> compared to John D <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay um well, if we have diverted to talking about movies that I remember fondly from my childhood, <laughs> it's probably time for us to pack up shops. So probably. if you have enjoyed this episode, you can find me on Twitter at Patch underscore Jacket, on Blue Sky at Nobody at Nobody Adams. Sorry, that's Adams with two Ds. And on Co-Host at Nobody. I am also on several different shows for All on the Table RPGs, which can be found at that tag on YouTube or Twitch. And we actually just made our Twitch affiliate status, so we're moving up in the world. We might soon be able to pay our employees, which is a thing we've been working towards for a while now. Hooray! I saw I just noticed on this poster, one of these kids just has a bottle, so she's an infant, and also these, like, gargles look like Wario and Waluigi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, yes, the child is objectively a baby, but yeah, the, the I, Wario and Waluigi thing is... I think it's because one of them is like kind of like round and squat, like Wario, while the other like is more lanky, and it's also like the big, the lanky one has like a big nose, so that's why I'm getting Waluigi vibes. <laughs> they kind of got an asterisk and obelisk thing going on. Yeah, maybe that too. Uh, in any case, uh, fuck, what's on my socials again? Shit. <laughs> uh, all right, Oblivion <laughs> on co-host and Blue Sky. I guess you could follow me at the underscore Oblivion on Twitter. I haven't been on there for like almost like over two weeks. Because fuck it, I don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, if you just want to follow that and have nothing actually come from me, I guess you can follow me there too. <laughs> ha. 
Yep. Uh, no. Go go follow me on Blue Sky or Coast, whatever you have. If you have both, do it there because I actually post on there. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. But, uh, yeah. Until next week when we will have another Jean Ju chapter. I think there's not much left to say, but remember, us weirdos have, have to strike, strike together. together. Bye. Bye.